1: Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter, and you can also find me at uh, CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. <laughs> Still haven't seen any anime, any of the, the new anime yet, but uh, it'll get there. And that's uh, the sound effect that you've heard comes from none other than our man in Brooklyn where it snows. Uh, it's, uh, well, <laughs> the powder on the store is on the, on the ground is at least snow this time.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: Agent underscore 70. What's
0: up, everybody? Hold on. We got to honor that one. What's up, everybody? Hello, Brooklyn!
1: I love that one. I love that. I need to listen to that (laughs) song again.
0: (laughs) You gotta pull up uh, Paul's Boutique.
1: I know, right? Uh, But, uh, yes, folks, we are back again. And, oh, shoot, I forgot to change something on the video, but that's fine. You... um, by the way, hello to all our folks out there on the YouTubes and the Twitches where we're recording live right now. That is YouTube.com slash Nation. That's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N. Or, and or uh, Twitch.tv slash Comic Book Chronicles. But yeah, we're going to kick this off because we got a lot of news later on. And we wanted to get to some stuff such as um, last week's The Mandalorian and as a matter of fact, um, um, I should have said this beforehand. I'm gonna let you kind of take the lead on the on the recap on this one, H and seventy. Why is that? Oh, uh, oh, for slight reasons that we that we mentioned uh <laughs> before the show.
0: All right. Well, it's all good. It's all good. All right. So, um, we are talking about last week's, uh. Season two, episode seven of The Mandalorian, entitled uh, titled "The Believer." Uh, this is a, a surprising penultimate episode of the season because it focuses on um, the character of uh, Miggs. Uh, what is it, uh, Mayfield? Miggs Mayfield, Mayfield yeah. played by comedian Bill Burr, who is an ex-Imperial sharpshooter. We saw him in the first season. Uh, during an attempted hijacking of a New Republic uh, ship. Um, He's serving 50 years for being an accessory to the death of the New Republic officer in Chapter 6, The Prisoner, from Season 1. And uh, basically, they're trying to uh, track down where Moff Gideon's uh, cruiser is, and it's a really convoluted plan to try to do it. Basically, they're they're trying to break into the old Empire uh, network and try to figure out where his ship is. And that's the that's the plan that they've come up with. Unfortunately, they need to track down someone who still has access to Imperial stuff. And the, the person they come upon or that they come up with at the end of the last episode was uh, Migs Mayfeld.
1: Right. Which and, I feel like sorry, just, just real quick, I feel like that's kind of a, a, a whole a theme of the Mandalorian at times. Like, like, oh, we need to do this, but first you either got to go and do this thing first, and to get that information, and then go through a couple. Conv- and we even with the Otsuka episode. like before that, bef- before he even got that, he had to go to do this heist for uh, for katan to get that kind of to get the information just to get to be able to do that. Almost like side quests in MMOs or or whatnot. Um, RPGs, uh, RPGs, also yes, exactly. So that's kind of been the theme.
0: This is definitely, you know, you can definitely see somebody rolling the D20 um, for uh, Mando's actions here. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, D&D. Exactly. Pull out, uh, pull out my pack of, uh, my, uh, my pouch of, uh, of d d dice um, from the drawer. Oh, no. Roddy Cat, got it. Roddy Cat has his uh, much oh, more at the red. That's right. Um, but also Bill Burr,
1: uh, ex Star Wars hater. Which the, the the less we get into that one's like that's a whole other reason why I was like, really, how you gonna have him back again? But anyway,
0: I mean, part of me, part of me thinks that was that was a, an extended bit that mm. he just kept taking, you know, like uh, uh, taking to an extreme just to get uh, uh, get under the skin of an audience. But you never know. But it worked for him, right? Exactly. But getting back to this episode, so. As we saw in the last episode, Cara Dune is instrumental in uh, getting uh, Bill Burr's character out of confinement so that he can go on this mission. And uh, what we discovered is that when uh, the two of them are are, are, uh, getting back to the ship, one Boba Fett comes out and uh, we find out that he has gotten a new paint job on his armor, you know, complete with the... you know, complete with the uh, what's more with the clear coat to uh, help avoid laser scar, you know, laser scoring. Um, it's it, it was a uh, jarring, to say the least, for me. I'd be like, "Wait a second, is that a different character?" No, that's Boba Fett because we have come up ever since his introduction, um, seeing Boba Fett's armor scored all over the place by laser fire. Right, and assuming how long that
1: trip you know that it took or or when and actually realistically he probably could have started at, at uh well uh not last episode but um somewhere in between the trips to uh navarro to see you know car dune yeah as right. a matter of fact it could have been last episode he could have been in the, in the ship spray painting it even then it was like well i got time to kill while he's talking so you know
0: it's funny yeah i mean at at, at the end of the day it was kind of disconcerting mm. but at the, time you understand that he is supremely happy to be reunited with his um let's you know it's not even a stretch to call it ancestral armor now but you know with this family armor he's so happy to be reunited with it that he wants to spiffy it up but uh yeah you know he just had to break out the airbrush and knock out a couple of (laughs) coats of paint and honestly
1: so and that's the other thing i guess real quick about his armor like i'm not we we have never been sure whether his armor is car or not i mean c- because of the way it's painted obviously you can paint that stuff but that's not you know that's not even here to door but also you think about the uh the figure market like now you have you know a, a new repaint for boba, boba now and then you have you know the one that was like the, the loose fitting one from last episode
0: of course who said you needed to have a cartoon to sell toys exactly. you can have live action uh television shows do the same thing yep so, uh, so basically, uh, as I mentioned, they have to recruit uh, Bill Barr's character, and Cara Dune basically says they have that the, the Imperials have the child, and that is enough convincing to get uh, Miggs Mayfeld onto the team. Once they uh, once they figure out where they're going, they head to uh, the closest Imperial uh, terminal. The nearest one is on a secret Rhydonium mining facility on Morak. And the Rhydonium plays a part in the story. Rhydonium <laughs> is apparently a very volatile element that is often used to uh, fuel very large explosions. Mm-hmm. Which if so, you've
1: seen, um, you know, played up a, little, a couple of times in Rebels, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. I think probably, maybe a couple of, it might have come up a couple of times in Clone Wars, but definitely Rebels. Gotcha. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: So, um, as they figure out what to do, how, how to get into this base to get to this terminal, you know, they spot that there are, uh, these large, I guess, multi-track, you know, uh, Jeep slash tank slash like cargo, uh, cargo, cargo trucks. Yeah, basically, you
1: know? they're basically um, like um, all terrain musicals. If you know people who know Mass Effect, know the Mako is kind of like a larger one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're of a certain uh, vintage, the the power tracks, not power gotcha. tracks. What was that one? You remember that one that we used to have the um, the one that you could program? I in not gonna do. I
0: <laughs> I think.
1: Yeah, I'm not but, sure if those are going to come yeah, from anywhere. Regardless, though,
0: I, mean, I don't anyway, know where they come the, from. The, yeah, I was about to say just think of like a radio control vehicle with really big tires and a and and uh a bunch of a bunch of uh 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 cars uh trailing it that uh that hold all the cargo. So basically this team figures out that they're gonna have to jump in one of those to try to get into the mining base. And uh they figure that, well, since um Boba Fett Boba Fett says his face might be a little too familiar. <laughs> yeah, little, I've seen people talking about Clone that. Wars reference?
1: Yeah. Oh, speaking actually, speaking of uh, Clone Wars reference, um, it looks like that Juggernaut was in. I don't remember it being there, but, uh, oh wow, and I think I just saw. Yeah, I think I did just see this because uh, I think they were rolling around in them when uh, around the time that uh, this before um uh Soka left. Or around the time the Zuckulists left.
0: All right. So, um, uh, so they basically have to figure out who's going to accompany uh, Miggs Mayfeld, and it can't be uh, uh, um, Fennec and it can't be Cara Dune because they're both wanted by the Imperial. So, right. Um, Everybody was basically they, saying, "Not it." Right. So basically, they spot the fact that the all the drivers are wearing helmets. So Mando volunteers, and they have to hijack one of these um they're called a6 juggernauts, mm-hmm. and they basically stop one- uh break in knock out the drivers and the guard, and take their places by putting on uh the helmets and the and the uh, the, the, the the cheapy suits of um, imperial armor um, It turns out that I, you know what's funny about this is that I thought that um what ended up what 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 happened next was um uh oh my god i can't believe his name just just escaped me but it might come to me as i describe what's happening it turns out that pirates are on their tail i don't know if they're rebels of the that represent the uh, people who live on this planet or if they're just pirates who are looking to steal the rhydonium.
1: i assume that they were native yeah
0: oh you assume that they were native
1: yeah Because remember when they were going through that one little town, it was like, yeah, um, Imperial Republic, these people don't care about any of us. So I assumed, and because of what they were doing, which you were about to get into, you know, I assumed that they were... were, Right, it
0: was mining the Rhydonium and transporting it back to the facility for transport. And um, uh, these... I I figured, I I, I honestly thought they were pirates in the vein of... um, Oh, my God. I can't believe his name is escaping me. Oh, um,
1: you're talking about um, 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 Hondo. Hondo Onaka. Hondo!
0: Yeah. Hondo Onaka! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear to God, I was looking so <laughs> close at them. I was like, are those weakways? Are they, is, is no, that Hondo's people?
1: Yeah, no, nah, they weren't, because they would have been a little bit more noticeable. And they would have actually stolen the Rydonium
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> instead of blowing it up right so i really got a kick i honestly i i honestly had an idea that the, they that, that might be uh hondo's crew but, I, I thought um, that for a the, second too it was like wait they were coming along it was like wait is that no that's not
1: because you could because when they just started doing close-ups it was like nah, okay but um also uh the those juggernauts were in v- revenge of the sith apparently that's where they first came from all right yeah
0: anyway so 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 back to the story at hand um the uh, the pirates are unsuccessful because of the efforts of one Mando, who gets out and does not have his Mandalorian armor, obviously. He's left with only a blaster that runs out of charge, and then uh, fights off several skiffs, carrying uh, multiple uh, pirates, all while Mayfeld is doing his best to not agitate the Rhydonium that he's hauling. And it turns out that they are the only surviving transport once they eliminate all of the pirates and any other survivors and this is something that I saw in um, uh, a few different um, post episode analyses which was it was one of the only times that you saw a victory from the empire's point
1: of view mm-hmm. it, was weird, off- it was a weird it was a Yeah, it was a weird bit of fanfare that rivaled uh, the first ship leaving uh, Hoth on um, the uh, the Empire Strikes Back, which I was like, that's, yeah, like you said, that's kind of weird to see, but I was like, dang, that's the first thing I thought of.
0: Right. It was very, very, you know, it was very disconcerting, to say the least. And we also saw TIE fighters who amazingly, amazingly don't hit the Rhydonium. They basically come in and down cover and suppressive fire to knock out the pirates who are looking to overtake this, um, this transport. And I was very shocked to see that one. And two, like you said, uh, like we were saying earlier, I was shocked to see the, 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 uh, the applause and the reception that uh, Mando and Mayfeld receive once they pull into the mining call, the mining base, mm-hmm. because it was weird. It was, it was like, cel- it was so celebratory. It was so human mm-hmm. that, you couldn't help but feel like, oh, you know, these Imperials are actual people underneath the armor, um, right? And people that that actually, you know,
1: are there, you know, potentially there for, you know, because they actually like the Empire, not like them, but but they actually support what the Empire is doing. You know, there are people like that. They
0: sympathize exactly yeah. that they're that they are sympathetic to the cause of the Empire. So uh, once once um, Mando. And Mayfeld are inside, they are again treated as heroes by the Imperial troops. And uh when they get to the area, uh I guess it's the officers mess mm-hmm. that uh where Mayfeld sees the um the terminal that he needs to access. You know, talk about needing a droid, right? Um Psst. this would have been this would have been a great time for them to have a droid. Mm-hmm. But uh, they need so, Mayfield to access this terminal.
1: Right. So before you go into that part, there's a little bit of setup before that uh, because, uh, so Bill Burr's character, uh, Mayfield, was in the carrier once they took it over. It took his helmet off because obviously you know you, you got to get you know the cynical part is like, hey, you got to get a screen time in. So he took his helmet off and he was talking to the Mando, uh, you know about, about taking his off. Because, you know, it's like it's real warm and then being real tidy as, this, as the characters want to do blah, 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 blah. But he kept the helmet off when they get to this point. Keep mm-hmm. that in mind.
0: Well. Considering that most of these people have their helmets on for the majority of their time, they're not going to recognize everybody's face. But I see what you mean.
1: Right. But I mean, for like, the it's for the plot like, of yeah, hide. for the plot of this episode though, that's why this this is where it lost me. This is where it started to lose oh, me. The
0: fact that he stopped hiding himself. Well,
1: yes, yeah, that that's what yeah. It's like I said, so we we'll get that in a second though. When you get to that,
0: I, I understand. So it turns out that, um, uh, you know, they get called over by an imperial officer called Valen or <clears> Valen Hess. Oh wait, you who, missed a part. You missed a part. What's that?
1: The the what part where mean? huh? What I missed that they were win- they went into the mess. Well, one well before they you know, they went into the mess, yes. But the, um, Mayfield went into the mess first, and then that's when he saw Hess, who was his commanding officer during um, during um, the Brennan con Khan uh, situation, Operation Cinder. And then he turned around because he was scared to go in there because he might thought he might get re- recognized. And that's what the Mando had to go in there to the terminal and take off his right. helmet. To, to do I was the thing. to that And also, oh, all right. well, yeah, but, 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 but also the, the whole face again thing, you it, know,
0: it, 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 it's okay, Luis. Ah! Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. But anyway, anyway, and Ignacio tells me, yo, I met this crazy fine writer chick. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes up to the bartender and goes, Look at the girl I'm with. You know what I'm saying? She's crazy stupid fine, right? The bartenders are all like, yeah, crazy. All right,
1: all right, I cut that before we get <laughs> <laughs> But no, but that but that part but that part kinda 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 goes into the before before uh before the part you were just talking about. So th- that's why I wanted I to bring it up.
0: I understand. I understand. So basically so basically, as Roddy Cat mentioned, you know, there's a little bit of a comedy routine where they're trying to figure out who's going to go into the mess and try to access the terminal because um, uh, Mayfeld, as, as Roddy Cat said, was afraid to be recognized. So they sent in uh, Mando and Mando goes to the terminal and he unfortunate and, and somehow and this is one of the mysteries of the episode, somehow is able to access the Imperial Um, terminal with his face scan after he takes off the imperial helmet that he's wearing right but because he's struggling with this because he's having to go through steps that a normal imperial officer wouldn't have to go through this valen hess notices this and asks him for his identification and that's when uh, Bill Burr jumps in to try to save Mando's behind by saying, "Oh, he's um, brown. You know, we call him Brown Eyes, and you know, he has this. Des- you know, he kind of makes up a designation. And um, you know, it, at that point, it's a uh, it, it's a tangled web of deception that uh, Bill Burr is weaving because he has to keep um, uh, feeding uh, a story to this uh, imperial officer to uh, try to get." out of that particular situation now that Mando has had a chance to access the terminal and get the location of Moff Gideon. Mm-hmm. All right. Um let's see here. So he demands the TK number. I laughed. I was like he's going to give him TK421. Come on, give him 421. I thought it was going to be 1147 or 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 whatever
1: it was, but um yeah.
0: Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like I totally mm-hmm. thought that was going to be it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a, a and 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 what comes next is a nod to um what comes next is a nod to uh uh whatchamacallit? Office space, the movie, when I was talking about the tangled web of deception that uh, Mayfield is trying to weave. He make he, he makes up a story about having to file TPS reports. Yes. And as soon as I heard that I started laughing.
1: I did too. I was like, Okay, that was that's a little out of out of um I feel like that's a lot out of this, uh, you know, out of this universe, but you know what? I was, I was, I appreciated that.
0: <laughs> so, um, so uh, essentially uh, Hess tries to, you know, it basically says share a drink with me, fellas, you guys are heroes of the empire. And, you know, you got this uh, shipment of Rydonium to the, to, to the facility. So we're going to, you know, talk. And at one point, um at one point Mayfeld says, you know, let's talk about Operation Cinder, which is an operation that is first mentioned in uh Star Wars: Shattered Empire by Greg Ruck. I guess that's a a novel? Uh yeah. Right. So, you know, that's that that is beyond my uh my Star Wars knowledge. So, I was right. you know, not that familiar with that. Were you? Uh
1: yes and no. So, because uh, I kind of had to look that one up myself, I was like, because it sounded familiar. But so a little bit on that one, Burning yeah, uh, just real quick, like it's it's not really come up on any in any, any like any of the movies. Um, and I remember it being mentioned uh, in a couple of places. Like I think it was uh, was mentioned in Doctor Aphra. I'm looking at something here, uh, Bounty Hunters Number One, which both are fairly recent. Um, but it started in a video game, a mobile video game called Star Wars Uprising. Or okay. at least that, or at least that planet was, that's where it was first, um, you know, first notable, but, um, right. and I think it also came up, but when I was the age of that, uh, that Lando one shot from, uh, like last year or two.
0: Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Well, operation Cinder was a posthumous order by the emperor. Um, I wouldn't even say it's posthumous because he's been alive or was alive after that. So, right. um, uh, but yeah, at least according to, to to our understanding, it was a posthumous order by Palpatine to devastate several pal- planets following the defeat at the Battle of Endor. Consequently, many innocent people were killed, including Imperial troopers. Mayfeld explained that he was on Vern and Khan, one of the world's targeted. So um, this is... Uh, something that dredges up a lot of painful memories for Mayfeld. And we see that there's a lot more to this character than we initially thought when he was um, in that first season, you know, that first season, that, that, that season one episode. So uh, it's weird that um, they decided to give the character this kind of depth here. Yeah. And I don't know if that's one of the issues that roddy cat had with the episode no we'll get to that
1: but also real okay. quick though so no that Greg worker thing you were talking about was the that was the, the one of the mentions that i was uh talking about it was shattered the shattered empire was the it was a miniseries that was um that uh had to do with uh basically poe dameron's parents oh, okay yeah
0: oh so this is newer stuff basically oh okay Okay, I wasn't sure if it was Dark Horse stuff that they were making canon now.
1: Yeah, no, no, yeah, because like, like I remember the re- I remember it being referenced in that book for Sumpster because it was like an off reference or well, you know, it was referenced there. I kind of vaguely remember that, and then when I was looking at the notes, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 and that. But yeah, mm-hmm. when you said that Great record thing, it kind of struck that. Um, yeah, you know, what that was.
0: Gotcha. So as they're reminiscing. Uh, Hess is definitely having uh, 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 flashbacks to this operation, and he basically says, um, you know, we lost a lot of good people that day, but we were you know, working in service and and to further the interests of the empire. And Bill Burr is looking at it from the point of view of the soldiers, the boots on the ground who lost their lives um, because the the the, uh, the operation cinder, protocols basically sacrifice the lives of several Imperial troopers. So this basically provokes bill Burr with his, with, you know, uh, um, suffering from a form of PTSD. And as Hess is trying to justify by saying they were all heroes of the empire, Mayfeld gets up and blasts Hess, um, away. And, um, At that point, they have to uh, make you know make their escape, and um, you know they have to uh, get out of there as fast as possible. And uh, Mando has to put his helmet back on, you know, to 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 basically uh, follow the way again. Yeah, they basically had to fight their way out. Mm -hmm. So,
1: which with some backup, which we forgot to mention about, but yeah,
0: right. So you know their extraction, their extraction team is on. You know their extraction procedure is on the way, and um, you know slave one is coming in. They also have sniper. They also have a sniper cover from Carrot Dune and Fennec Shand um, from uh, the high ground. You know I, I love making jokes <laughs> of the high ground now, thanks to uh, binge mode.
1: Right, but which just, was actually kind of cool. That part was actually kind of cool too.
0: Oh, that they were actually covering them. That there right. was actual like. You know, suppressing fire. Right. So, so essentially, Slave One flies. You know, come comes in um, uh, fast and low while uh, uh, Shan and uh, Dune are laying down cover fire. So, oh, not just they, cover fire; uh, they were just shooting, just gunning down folks. Right. They they make their way off of the uh, mining, uh, the, the the mining facility, and. Mayfeld asks for one of the weapons and he turns around and blows up the Rydonium shipment that they had just brought in. And that causes the entire facility to blow up. Um, we also get two TIE fighters coming in for, uh, you know, these are the, t- the same TIE fighters that had provided Mayfeld and um, Mando with air support and uh, Boba Fett takes them out with um, Apparently, seismic charges. Yes. We saw, we first saw an Attack of the Clones. Mm hmm. Um,
1: yep. Yeah. Uh, when Obi Wan, I believe, matter of fact, yes, I believe he used them against Obi Wan when he was chasing through the asteroids or something like mm-hmm. that, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Okay. <clears throat> so ultimately, they get away and in one oh, it final... I was Django season. at
1: the time, but regardless, still, you yeah. know.
0: In one final scene with Bill Burr's (coughs) character, excuse me, they make up a story that Mayfeld was killed in action on this mission, so he won't be, um, (coughs) excuse me, returned to the prison colony. Essentially giving Mayfeld license to uh, beat it. Mm -hmm. Why? Rest of them go off on their mission to look for Moff Gideon. And the last of the episodes sets up the next uh, and final episode of the season, which is a hollow video communication, uh, Star Wars FaceTime, we'll call it. A Star Wars FaceTime or Star Wars Zoom call between Mando and Moff Gideon, where Mando says, uh, you know, lays down the gauntlet and says, You have something I want. You may think you have some idea of what you are in possession of, but you do not. Soon he will be back with me. It means more to me than you will ever know. And um, that basically sets up the season finale, which, if you're watching us live, is going to be on later tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Mando basically says, Murdoch, I'm coming for you." you. If you remember your Rambo. That's funny. But yeah. So, the, so that was pretty much that in this, in a nutshell. And the reason why I had, um, and I'm not going to belabor this too much, because I, I said before the show, I'm not going to go too far into this. Let, I I wanted him to get out all the way so I could tell my problem, if you haven't already under, noticed it, of uh, of this episode. Well, one, okay, it was written and directed by Rick uh, uh, Famicua, I, I think it was his name, I can't remember.
0: Famuyiwa, Famuyiwa, excuse me,
1: yeah, I always yeah. mess up,
0: mess up his name. Regardless, Listen, it, it directed Famuyiwa. well. I was about to say, hold on, Louise, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I know you're excited. I was just gonna say <laughs> Famuyiwa, who I always mistake as Japanese, but he is not. He is not.
1: No, um, but which he does some good stuff. So it was, you know, directed well. Us, that, that was the the you know the problem with this the the writing you know or or us say some of the part whatever everything. Before the the mess hall stuff and after the mess hall stuff, great. It was the mess hall stuff that really messed me up because it's like cause it didn't make any kind of sense. Like I said, okay, yeah, Bill Burr had to get his Facetime Facetime in without the thing. But again, like some of that stuff could have been avoided or he could have been going about the other way. I, I'm you know I, I'm not a writer per se, but it's it is what it is. Like that whole like and even if he was worried about the Hess... um recognizing him he had already seen him already you know common sense would have been like going without the helmet either way but then obviously they wouldn't have known that that was going to happen but and they wouldn't have known anything until they got to the um if he was going to know anything until he got to the terminal you know and even then, that could have gone a couple of different ways than than it actually did. And then him, you know, his character going from being scared to go in there to be like, all right, you know what, I lost a lot of people. I'm just gonna shoot you dead. Like that was just a you know, a, a, a weird quick turn. Um, but outside of that, yeah, everything else is like the you know their their escape through sort of the thing. Him making even him even making that shot was actually pretty good. It was like that part and Mando and Mando having to to take off his helmet to do the thing, which again, if 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 it needs to be face scanned, he's not, in, he wasn't an Imperial.
0: So how would that even have worked? Well, that's the, that's the, that's the, um, that's the big uh, mystery here, you know. And now his, his
1: face is scanned in the Imperial system anyway, which actually is kind of funny because Ming-Na Wen recently tweeted about some face scanning technology she was like yeah this is why because some deep some you know deep faking is a thing that's going around and she was like yeah this is oh this is a reason why i don't use um like uh face scanning apps on my phone or something like that or or, or a reason not to rather so so but yeah so that that whole part was the reason i was like i i'm like this didn't make any kind of sense to me that that was so unnecessary to do but i imagine that, that there was a reason why they did that that's going forward because even at the end of it it's like uh bill Burr's character was like i didn't see you i didn't even see your face but you know that's gonna come up
0: again of course so so you know well i thought it was uh i i thought it was an okay episode it wasn't definitely not amongst my favorite episodes right but uh you know, we'll we'll see where this season ends because that we've got one more episode and that's it. Mm-hmm. So that being the case, yeah,
1: that's uh that is that's it for Mando talk for right now. Obviously, we got some news later on. Probably uh, may not have something to do with this particular episode, but with some stuff. I do like the way how um, Mando handled himself on the on the Juggernaut too. You know, it's like he didn't because it, it felt like at first it was like, oh, I, f- I forgot I don't have my armor. <laughs> right.
0: Right, right, right. He doesn't have all of the tricks trade, so he was basically left with a blaster and just hand to hand. Right, just
1: as, which his skills are formidable without all of that. So as we as we saw here, so that was that was a cool thing to see.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: All right, folks, we are going to go into the comic books of the week. Uh starting off with Sorry. Um Sorry. No no, I totally forgot you were gonna do that. Um, with Taskmaster number two,
0: an unlikely choice to lead off our comic
1: book reviews. Mm-hmm. But we like we we, we come across a, um unlikely choices all the time, and and sometimes Definitely. we gotta we gotta talk about them.
0: Definitely, but there's a reason why I think this is uh this is uh, 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 uh an appealing uh, an appealing book this week. It's written by Jed McKay, who mm-hmm. we are fans of. Oh yeah, the art. The art is by Alessandro Vitti or Vitti and the colors are by Guru EFX. And surprise, surprise, surprise. This is a potential click of the week for me. And me and someone else. Right. So without going too deep into the story, and I know um, PC and underscore dirt may have something to say about this book, but um, I wanted to just mention in a kind of a brief uh, overview of where this series seems to be going is that it plays Taskmaster just right as a mostly competent supervillain mm-hmm. that's just stupid enough to prevent him from succeeding more than like 30 or 40% of the time. Mm. You know, he's he he can get his way out of a fight, but he's just not smart enough so, so succeed at like a a, a grander scheme.
1: I so I I wouldn't necessarily say that. Like obviously, the way he's been written against, you know, the heroes that he go, goes against, that seems to be the case. Like he's a very capable dude, especially with with with, with all the tricks of his trade, which is you know his photogra- photographic memory and you know his his ability to mimic other people's um uh, uh moves and stuff. That makes him quite formidable and has been in the past. But you know, just like a lot of other villains. A lot of classic villains, uh, he's been kind of neutered in say the, in modern history. But at times like this, where he's still shown to be
0: pretty effective, you know oh, at what yeah, he does. yeah, exactly. Like he's a competent villain, right but he just has more than a few fatal flaws. you know like how, 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 how some villains who are you know just are, 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 are almost unstoppable except for that fatal flaw. Taskmaster seems to have a couple of them, but, uh, but but, but even at that point though, you, you
1: can also see he's willing to go a a good bit to get the thing done. Even what we find out is the reason why he let a couple of things happen in this issue.
0: Right. So ultimately, uh, but you know, without going too deep into the plot night and maybe Roddy cab will, will detail that Mm -hmm. we actually see a little bit of the, the squadron Supreme and Hyperion in this issue. Mm Um, at, and he actually makes a really great guest appearance in the book.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I'm not going to go it too, too much, but basically, so if we, if you hadn't heard us talking about this the last time this book, uh, the, when the first issue of this book came so t- Taskmaster is framed uh, by somebody for the death of Marie Hill, which, you know, that's that part is pretty much the crux to, to get into this and not necessarily the, the main thing. He also has uh, one black widow on his tail, but that doesn't come in until that you know that was part of the first book and, and comes in at the end of this book so i'm assuming she's going to become a little bit more of a part of this um so so but anyway uh nick fury jr uh comes in and says hey we need you to do this thing because maria was working on some stuff and then you know i need to, 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 to need to, to deal with that so taskmaster had pretty much has to get the the kinetic signature of three figures in this universe um Oh, on the the back end one Phil colson a from the uh, agents of conda and i told um i think was it it might be white tiger white uh, white fox from um from um well agents of atlas and you know the that stuff i, I think so is, yeah that is who if I remember correctly so the first person to go after is colson who colson being true to form being a nerd. And I do love this. I, I, I say in my notes, was how, um, how meta this book kind of got because Colson's going into, Colson's gone through some changes and they meant, mentioned that in this, but Colson goes to the comic book store on a Wednesday to get his books. And hey, he I surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and of course he goes to pick up the Quadra Supreme of who he's leading, you know? Um, and they talk about how, how well the book is selling, which, in reality, has never been that big of a case. Like Squadron Supreme books have never sold that great. Like they, they had a moment, but not like not the way they're talking. So, which leads to Taskmaster and Coulson confronting, and Coulson calling in Hyperion, which leads Taskmaster to end up fighting Hyperion, which who's basically Superman, of course. And if if you know any, that's pretty much all I need to say about that, if you know how this fight ends up going. Which, it starts to go out kind of bad, but also, you know, it kind of goes away for that reason, as, you know, Ty kind of lets some things happen to him. So, that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that.
0: <laughs> right, 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 right. And uh, it does kind of play out the way um, a competent Um, opponent for Superman might take out Superman. Let's put it Mm -hmm. that way. Or
1: anybody who could just happen to come across, you know, things that would work in that situation.
0: Exactly. So, but yeah, it's really well done. The art is great. And McKay's dialogue and inner monologue uh, that Taskmaster is having while all this is going on because he's essentially fighting for his life (laughs) At yes. the same time, he's fighting to complete this, uh, uh, to complete this mission and get away without, um, Hyperion following him. Like, like we said earlier, this is essentially, essentially like fighting Superman who could follow you to the ends of the earth. Hmm. So, uh, he needed to stop him there and keep him from following and Taskmaster surprisingly is successful with that. Um, you know, uh, success can be measured in varying degrees. He does come out of it with several broken bones.
1: I mean, he did the job he went went in there for. What's that? He went, he got, he did the job he went in there for. So that's, that's the very definition of success.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So,
1: but yeah, we, we enjoyed this one. Uh, um, it's, it's, uh, definitely a particular click of the week I said before, and I'm kind of um also you know i I will also say this just in passing a a classic hawkeye uh staple gets used in this in with everything we just say you can kind of fill in the blanks of all of that but you should read it because it's actually pretty good
0: yes it's definitely entertaining
1: so that being the case you want to go to the actually the other jed mckay book
0: sure what's next what's next President Bartlett is Black Cat number one, the return of the Black Cat series that had been interrupted um, essentially by uh, one, the pandemic, the onset of the pandemic. And two, looking to tie this book into the big event at the end of the year, that being King in Black. Mm -hmm. So this is by Jed McKay with art by C.F. Via. And Colors by Brian Reber. As I mentioned, this is a King in Black tie-in. And another potential Click of the Week for me. Same. I would note that this may be, this may prove to be essential reading for the King in Black event. It may be, but it probably won't have the biggest impact on the miniseries. But it feels like one of the better tie-ins already. Things go south for the Earth as seen in King in Black number one. I don't know if you read King and Black number one, uh, Roddy, but this is essentially uh really bare bones, cliff notes version of what happens in number one.
1: Yeah, no, I did not. And yeah, this def- definitely did a good job based pretty much given the final points of what happened there. Like, you don't necessarily have to read that to get this. But, you know, if you are if you read this in arc years is what's going on in that, you know, you also have right. that as just as a springboard.
0: Right. So unbeknownst to us in the pages or in the in-between panels, uh in between the panels of King and Black number one, Captain America tasks the Black Cat with a mission. And like everyone else, Black Cat follows Cap's orders. Yeah. I got a I got a real kick out of here McKay's inner monologue writing for Felicia Hardy. Yeah. I really did, because a lot of it, you know, really makes sense coming from her perspective and from like a broader socio you know social perspective and then i kind of laughed i kind of just kind of laughed when i read the part where you know what seeing that guy talk and seeing that guy in action mm-hmm. i kind of might
1: believe it and the funny part about it is like it, that is not a sentiment that's not been you know that's that's been pretty much said by other folks you know in the universe who who are who kind of like that, and it was like, you know what? Yeah, being around this guy, you actually, you, you kind of want to believe that, like, the, like the thing, like, whatever's whatever. So, right.
0: yeah, it totally makes sense. Right, and and it, and it may, and it, and it's even more impactful coming from someone like Black Cat, mm-hmm. who is not necessarily operating in the gray, but differently on the other side as well. Yeah, so,
1: and at some point, jaded so about a lot of things.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: But yeah, all, all, all I was gonna say about this issue uh, in passing that is like it was. I feel like it's kind of a, it's a kind of a flimsy tie-in to uh, Thinking of Black, but it works. You know, because it's like it didn't. It didn't really make any sense why she had any involvement of it. But even up into reading what she ends up, you know, planning to do uh, with mm-hmm. this, it. so it's like. You know, and actually, something that kind of goes back to in uh, something kind of sort of something that was in the last volume or book. like, yeah, okay, it makes sense for her, but it was still kind of a flimsy reason for her to be involved in it. But obviously, this the King of Black is touching pretty much everything uh, at this right. point.
0: I mean, the flimsiest part was that what she was doing gets interrupted that's by what I'm the saying. King of exactly. Iceland. Yeah. So. So ultimately, that, you know, that, that kind of happenstance occurrence really gets the ball rolling on the story. So it was it, I, I, I was I found that amusing. I was kind of like, you know what? It's it's definitely a little bit of uh, Spider-Man rubbing off on the black cat, mm. even her poking her head, her nose into that business.
1: Even with the, the, the as the old saying goes, curiosity, killing the cat. But
0: and even her her henchmen teammates you know mm-hmm. all on the you know i forget their names the supporting characters that give a felicia hardy a lot of support uh both uh technology wise and, and and actual um hands awesome. and boots on the ground support yeah um they're like why are you getting involved in this this is not your thing we need to get away <laughs> but right. course, black cat you know gets involved and here we go pretty much but even outside of that,
1: yeah, like it was, it's a good read. Like to the uh, we, we're, we're fans of Black Cat around here, especially this, you know, the, this, you know the, this volume. Well, not this volume because it's just starting, but we'll see where this goes. The last volume and Jed McKay's uh, working and, and crews working on this.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Considering that it's the same creative team and um, our hope is that they're able to get back to um, the story that they had been working on before that previous volume ended. Uh, because it was proving to be entertaining and it was proving to... It, it didn't look like it was going somewhere. Right. So, you know, we understand why they relaunched it as a number one. It could have just gone on hiatus, to be honest, <laughs> you know? It or they really,
1: could have just not tied it to King of Black. Like, didn't, like. there's been times where events just, like, miss some books, but stuff's still kind of going on and then maybe reference it later.
0: Right, but sometimes they don't have a choice. Sometimes creators don't have a choice in that matter. You know, so yeah. it's an often a decision from up high. Um, yeah. that uh, every book is going to either be touched by or have a one shot. And there is one such one shot that is out this week that I, that I am actually personally glad that despite the fact that I'm a fan of the book that it's spun out of, mm-hmm. I'm glad I put it into my physical pole. I had it there until maybe like three weeks ago and I opted to pull it out and to take it off. But do you want to my talk pull? about that now or no, 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 we don't have to. There's okay. other more important books that we can talk about. Okay. Um, uh, How about, did you read um, Fantastic Four, number 27? I certainly did. I am happy to report that this was not tied into King and Black. (laughs) Speaking of, but I got a feeling it's going to get there. Oh, it will eventually. It will eventually. It's nice that um, this book, written by Dan Slott, uh, at least to this point, is not yet tied down by the King and Black event, but... You know, King and Black is going to be going on for the next couple of months, so we're probably going to see some involvement uh, in the FF book, some tie-in in the FF book. Uh, the art is by R.B. Silva, Juan and Ramirez, and Zay Carlos, and colors by Chris O'Halloran. This is yet another potential click of the week for me. I'm leading off with all the strong ones. Um, Dan Slot seems to be enjoying himself so much on this book. I think the cosmic and sci-fi stuff really allows some of his more far out concepts to really have a chance to shine. The griever proves to be a formidable, formidable opponent again. And we also get an interesting cosmic guest appearance.
1: Yep. Which, you know, which has been said to be coming, uh, from last, uh, last, um, the last, you know, this person was coming basically so i actually kind of surprised that this person showed up wait are you talking wait are you talking about the villain or are we talking about the uh the other person
0: the other person okay the uh, the interesting cosmic guest appearance
1: yes yes yes
0: it's dan slot writing this book remember
1: exactly yeah and it yeah and pretty much catches catches uh this character uh without saying who it is um which actually wait aren't they on the cover no, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, catches pretty much catches this up with the brother which, and and actually, I kind of want to go into it, but I don't want to because I feel like people should read this. But the way they contact this person had me thinking like, how, like what, what, how, and <laughs> like when did this happen? Like, I knew, I knew that happened, but also did, but I didn't remember like when did she get, you know, the thing that caused this to happen. So, to, 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 for them to contact on this, and maybe it's because I didn't, re- you know, probably don't remember reading that in full, right? Ever since it happened, because obviously that was a while ago,
0: right? So actually, he is on the co- he is on the cover, okay, on the cover. He is on the cover because you know there's a couple things that we just need to fill in the blanks on. One of them is that the Forever Gate is still you know causing problems. There's still aliens coming through, essentially refugees. And they're pouring through the forever gate and while uh, the FF are trying to figure out where to put all these people who are being chased by the griever, um, you know that, that's, that's one aspect of the problem. Reed Richards is looking to deal with you know deal with contingency plans one of them one of them being this guest cosmic appearance and the other um, having to deal with um, uh, confronting the griever in, in, in a certain way. One of the things that he uses is something that comes right out of Empire, which is a fantastic four themed Iron Man suit that he modifies to give to Franklin who to this who at this point in the story has been completely depowered and that is actually um, a story plot point uh, that, is, um, uh, that is used to move um, parts of the story along concerning the griever um, in, you know, in, in this larger narrative.
1: Yeah, I thought that was good. Cool. I also thought he was going to actually keep that suit. That was a slight spoiler, but it's a, it's kind of a side note that I feel like probably might come end up coming back at some point. I don't know.
0: I to say the chances are that uh, that's not out of the realm of possibility because what I would say without spoiling what happens is that the reason why it could have been lost to them, lost to him as well as their other personal possessions, why all that stuff could have been lost to them is if their plan had actually worked. But since their plan didn't work, all they have to do is undo that particular um, plan and all of their access to all of their belongings would probably return. Um, I could be wrong, but I I think that's the case.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, unless whatever happens to uh, that allows that allowed what ends up happening at the end to happen, that just you no, know, just kills all of that. So yeah, there's, there, yeah. I don't.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not.
1: I thought about that too. Like it's possible, but I'm not sure because some of that seemed right.
0: like until next issue. Right, we won't know until next issue. Exactly. We'll write of this story. What exactly are the ramifications of their plan failing? Right. Because my 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 understanding of the idea was that they were going to be imprisoning the griever, but they were on they were unsuccessful at that. So since they're since they aren't prevented you know, in a sense from reopening that particular um structure, they can just reopen it and everything that they thought would be lost because they were trapping the Griever in it would still be there.
1: Yeah, that's it. Well we'll well yeah, we will see. But I, I feel like there there's this is basically them their way of saying, no, oh, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> so now they are without two
0: homes. Yep, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. So uh, do you have a book that you want to speak on? Um, hmm. you know what?
1: Uh, Motor Hulk forty-one actually, because
0: this is a potential click of the week for me. That is also Also. for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett and inks by Rui Jose and Billardino Bravo and colors by Paul Mounts. Mm -hmm. It's Ben Grimm versus the Hulk in a rematch, basically. Latest tussle from Ben and Alicia's honeymoon. But, uh... Well, you, I was about to say, you can uh, you can take it from here.
1: Well, yeah, I was gonna... The only thing I was gonna add to that is, like, yeah, it, it is that, but in this case, Ben's now the one with the upper hand, because the Hulk is pretty much a shell of his... of of the, the version that uh... you know, that fought him during that, which was not that long ago, by the way. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, but yeah, there's, there's, there's basically, yeah, it's, it's their rematch, and um, I, I do like how, um, you know, the, the fight gets resolved at a certain point, you know, uh, the way it got resolved, because we know it's not Banner in control of that, this Hulk form because of what's going on, and then they have this nice little powwow uh, over in Hot Dog. <laughs>
0: right. I'm disappointed that it wasn't a Nathan's Hot Dog. It was some, you know, random hot dog. And I was like, wait, this is supposed to be Coney Island. It's supposed to be Nathan's. Right. But uh, but yeah, you know, as, as Roddy Cat mentioned, Joe Fixit and Ben come to an understanding. hmm This is really a very different Immortal Hulk tale until the last page. Right.
1: Roderick. Which also, Ewan kind of fills in some FF, FF stuff in a way. And I saw somebody kind of mention this, uh, which... I don't know the the way they mentioned it was like I would kind of like to see how this goes, but also I'm like, nah, Slats doing pretty good on his book, so don't don't take it away from him that easily. I mean that 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 quickly, because basically somebody was like, yeah, after Immortal Hulk uh, finishes, give uh, Al you in the book. I'm like, Slats still writing it. I think he's gonna be writing it for a minute,
0: right? And I think he's really excelling at it.
1: Yes, so I
0: think he's really excelling at FF.
1: Right. And there's some in the, so during uh, Joe's and uh, and Ben's talk, you know, there's some, like I said, there's some FF stuff uh, that gets gets brought up and even some past stuff with Ben, which I kind of had nearly forgotten about, honestly. And of of course, as the Mortal hawk has done, you know, some, some religious uh, imagery kind of plays into uh, places this, you know, which is aside from Ben, you don't necessarily see all the time, but it does come up. Right. Um, and also, I was the the, the art for Ben was kind of almost classic because they even had him with the, like the rocky eyebrows and stuff. I don't know if you noticed that.
0: I mean, I definitely noticed that. Uh, I I noticed um, Joe Bennett's take mm-hmm. on his rocky exterior. So um, it's a it's a it's an older way of depicting the eyebrows. Let's mm. Put it that way. Yeah. Yep. 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 So it's kind of like classic
1: way of depicting them right so like i said, like i, I kind of enjoyed that part i was like oh that was a nice little touch going on there because at first i was like what's going on with oh okay i see what's going on here um mm-hmm. but yeah i i enjoyed this issue a whole lot um e- e- despite you know like i said it started off with a round two but then just ended up with them just powwowing it. but it still ended up being good now that was that was a, a little side stuff going on with um the doctor uh, whose name is escaping me at the moment? At, at the beginning and near the end, uh, talk about the Hulk needing friends and wanting to help out, even though she was kind of um, you know, in hiding and could have just could have exactly. just gone She's away, on the run. huh? Mm-hmm. She's on the run. Yeah. So, so there was a little bit of, between that, which obviously you know that's going to come back up at some point. I mean, this is this is uh, a Yung after all, and then at the end of it, yeah, somebody ends up coming coming back. Or mm-hmm. releasing themselves, I'm not sure. I totally forgot about what part happened with that part.
0: All right, we'll see where that you know we'll see how that develops in the next issue. Mm-hmm. I, I want to mention that you know time is you know a concept that I at least have, have continually failed to grasp as uh, our, the pandemic has worn on, yeah. and it's that we've we we've kind of talked about in, in 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 an abstract sense that this immortal Hulk run is coming to an end. And it feels, it felt far away when this book was in the, in the, in the, uh, issue number 30 something, but now that we're at issue 41, heading into issue 42, it feels a lot closer. So, uh, we will see where this run goes and we are in the home stretch of the Immortal Hulk run. Yep. I I have said it before and I will say it right
1: now. I will be sad to see this go.
0: Absolutely. We've been on it since day one. So
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly one of the few books we can say that we've that we have done that with with the exception of probably vision that vision um uh miniseries but you know that's not hasn't that didn't go as long as this one did
0: I mean there's a couple of things that we've done that with things yeah. like uh, Hickman's Avengers oh well, yeah um, you know there's a couple of things but you secret know wars. it's notable what I was gonna say secret wars yeah, yeah yeah what I was gonna say is it's it's really notable that uh, it didn't start off with the with the the kind of fanfare that a Hickman Avengers run would start with or, or Hox pox let's say yeah but uh something like this that started out with some with, with some attention really you know and, and and had the book really you know blossom and and really work to get its attention it you know it, it's good it feel it makes a reviewer and a reader feel good that we've been on it since day one, so absolutely all right um president Bartlett what's next um, we do maybe one other book before we get to rapid fire well it was pretty good well it wasn't bad <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll do maybe one more book before we get to rapid fire sure we could do that I was about to say we could just go right under the rapid but yeah if you got one what other we want to say, pull out go for it I was about to say if you want to we can do rapid fire too because I think we have a few books in common so maybe rapid fire might be better yeah alright spinning it up now
1: rapid fire kids here we go buckle up
0: let's see um here's a book i don't think you read batman number 105 that is correct uh written by james tinney in the fourth with art by carlo pagulayan danny mickey alvaro martinez and christian deuce um or ducci uh Colors by David Barron. Uh, that was not how I expected the Ghostmaker story arc to conclude. I won't spoil it, but it does involve a new counterpoint to Batman's point of view. Everybody needs somebody to take a, another side of the argument. Um, next up is Captain America number 26. Written by Todd Nahasi Coates. With art by Leonard Kirk. Colors by Matt Miller. This is part seven of the All Die Young storyline. The rescue mission uh, in Madripoor takes several twists and turns for Cap's team. The cover does not quite spoil what happens in the book, but we do get the return of the Red Hulk, uh, thus exonerating Cap of his murder, or at least the murder of Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. It is implied that he too is immortal. The story is effectively told via both dialogue and thoughtful narration from Cap's perspective, and a little from Black Widow's perspective. We also find out exactly how Peggy Carter (spoiler alert) is back among the living. Uh, next, yeah, up so
1: on so the Red Hulk thing, like going back to Immortal Hulk, actually, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of we've said this before, kind of surprised that we have not seen Red Hulk in the pages of Immortal Hulk but, uh, at this point. So for him to show up here is kind of interesting and possibly maybe set that up because i mean again
0: i think you're correct i think you're correct because i want to say that i've seen it either in solicitations or something noted um from al ewing that the red hulk is going to pop up in the in the stretch run of immortal hulk yeah because that'd be crazy if he didn't right so um i believe you read iron man number four i did uh, it's written by Christopher Cantwell, with art by Cafu, and colors by Frank D'Armada. This issue answers a few questions about what Korvac is doing in this android body built by the Enclave, as well as what his plans may ultimately be. I appreciated this issue for just that because I think it settled a couple of um, uh, a, a couple of uh, disagreements that we had over what Korvac was doing in this and, and the nature of his uh, of his. Uh, existence and appearance in this book. You know, it did take four issues, but we finally got it. So now we can understand exactly how Korvac, who we understood at, to be this, um, you know, uh, you know, sentient computer program kind of thing. You know, even though it was, he um, was a, a originally a man from the future, right? And uh, you know mix that together with the original people who put together the body of, uh, Adam Warlock, the enclave. And what do you get? You know, the return of Korvac, and we get, you know, it's a little bit of exposition, but it helped me, you know, kind of settle that, uh, in my mind. And it felt, you know, it felt like, uh, I could, um, w- with that understanding, move forward.
1: Yep. That is true. Yeah, and there's not much else I, uh, I can say about that, or oh, I need to say about that, except for the fact that um, yeah, we did definitely confirm the Korvac thing that we've been talking about, and um, Patsy apparently got a little gift from Korvac at the end of uh, last episode with with everything that happened again. Uh, this Iron Man runs actually so far has been pretty good. You should probably try. You should probably check it out. Um, I agree. And, yeah, uh, using Rhodey as bait. I'm like, really but also seeing what you know seeing Rodick kind of hold out you know um, cuz pe- people might know how i feel about <laughs> especially coming out of uh, civil war 2 about how, about the uh, being used the way right. rodick being used but um that also- part what was that Go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just gonna say finish your thought, and then I'll I'll, I'll say what I had
1: to say. Uh, I was about to say that part kind of kind of rubbed me a little wrong, but at the same time, seeing him kind of hold out against what he was, you know, uh, what he was kind of uh, what he was in was pretty good. And the fact that uh, another thing that happens in the course of this issue that I wasn't too crazy about, but I guess I kind of figured they were gonna do, and that was like the whole thing with uh, uh, Patsy and Tony. Uh, right, that that's one part what I was
0: gonna mention. I was like, really, we had to take a break for that? Really? Exactly. I was like your buddy Roadie is in the clutches of Korvac and and a bunch of your rogues gallery and this is what you got to- All right. You know? Yeah.
1: And and it's like and I and I thought like I and I think I probably projected this more than the book did. It was like, okay, they they may have given a reason for that, but no, they really didn't. Mm. Because uh, I, I guess I assumed it had something to do with, uh, you know, the the gift, the quote-unquote gift that she received from Korvac, but that was not necessarily the case. Um, but apparently, yeah, Korvac has a bigger plan to go visit uh, the, the home of some, a, a big entity um, that I didn't expect that it was going to happen uh, during, in the course of an Iron Man book,
0: but here we are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's All right. pretty much that. Oh. Next up is Magnificent Miss Marvel number 17. It's written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Minkyu Jung and colors by the always coloring on Magnificent Miss Marvel and Miss Marvel in general, Ian Herring. Dum Dum Dugan and Kamala Khan come to a real truce. While the friend who betrayed Miss Marvel to Cradle just won't be convinced that Kamala is right. Up next, Storm Ranger returns. Spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, I wasn't gonna spoil that, but yeah, that's yeah. Might as well go ahead and because it's her seventy fifth uh, issue coming up next uh, episode. So we knew this was an uh, issue. Yeah, coming up in next issue, but um, we knew this was coming. Um, but yeah, I thought I totally forgot about the person they. I didn't know, remember when they named this person the name that they gave him. That the person that her uh, that um that uh Miss Marvel and Dum Dum end up teaming up against, or or not. The person that because that's Discord. Discord is her old friend, but who they ended up going up against, uh going to investigate this, I should say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that the, the 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 main villain that they's that they named. I was like, I don't remember them giving that name, but it's kind of a stupid name, but it also fits.
0: <laughs> exactly, it fits. Yeah, it's a pro it's appropriate
1: You're right and you'd have to read this to, to find out what it is and what it is but outside of that you know i i do like the the fact that the, yeah they came to an understanding uh her and dum-dum and you know dum-dum's like it's weird that it took this to get to that point but at some time at some point it was going to that something like that was probably going to happen and it kind of mm-hmm. makes that sense that it happened you know during the course of this
0: so. All right, next up is New Mutants number 14. It's written by Vita Ayala and art with art by Ivan Rice. Uh, Vita Ayala is the new writer on the book, post Ten of Swords. There is an interesting concept uh, to start this book with. We know that until very recently, the X-Men team name was not used on Krakoa because of the history tied to the name, and to try to avoid problems with the quote-unquote former X villains who also live on Krakoa now. Pretty sure they also did not want to restart the Xavier School, or even the Jean Grey School, for similar reasons. In this case, the former students are looking to become the teachers. Um, The Shadow King seems to be plotting his own scheme, so what did I say about the quote-unquote former ex-villains?
1: Right um i and and for my notes i pretty much say look i don't i legit don't remember what involvement if any the, the new mutants had in x of swords outside of uh cypher and you know everybody coming in at the, at the end the, the big battle at the end because like i don't remember
0: oh magic magic was a big player
1: i know that but i'm saying well yeah that, that too but i mean but even in well yeah her involvement and cypher's involvement but i'm just saying like the rest of them as a whole Like, I don't even remember them having, I know they had a book in it, but I don't remember what happened in that issue or issue, well, if if it probably was an issue just like uh, X-Factor or whatever it was.
0: I think that issue was the one where uh, Magic was putting Cypher through the paces.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't actually, right. So it wasn't actually anything at all of the world or nothing like that. But right. yeah, I mean,
0: like you said, it didn't involve the rest of the younger generations of mutants that are on Krakoa. So, right. um, you know, we they've been essentially they've essentially been spectators in their own book for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, outside but of... nice that, you know, I was going to say it's nice that Vida Ayala is kind of um, giving this twist on an old theme, uh, a, a, a new, you know, a, a new run, you know, giving hopefully she gets some legs. You know, they give her some some time to let this concept stretch
1: yeah i like i like what they're, they're, they're doing with this uh so far and everything they've written you know has been pretty good uh it, during this whole thing so i'm looking forward to that but yeah and there's also the the underlying other thing that was going on with uh with uh danny and um shan uh mm-hmm. dealing with some something that happened before ten of swords happened like that, that, uh, that Shan's been kind of dealing with. So that was the kind of thing that started off the book. Um, which is also kind of weird because it's like I say in my, um, I say in, um, my notes that, uh, yeah, Danny's trying to help Shan, but, uh, and I was wondering where her family was, but also Iyana being Iyana and being kind of nosy and just don't really care, you know, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff. And the fact that Danny was calling Iyana by her, um, you know, by her handle and not by her, you know, her actual name when they're not in combat was kind of mm-hmm. weird. Cause that, that happened a couple of times in this book. I'm like, that seems kind of strange with a couple of characters. Um, oh yeah. And that that whole Madeline Pryor and, you know, not bringing, you know, not bringing certain people back got gets bring up in this book. And I was like, I was wondering if that was ever going to, when that was ever going to be in address in any of the other books. And it happens here. So that part is, was actually pretty cool to see. And the part about, uh, of course, Warlock's playing set a, second fiddle now that he's not at Doug's married, you know, and, uh, you know, he's got
0: his bae. <laughs> right. Nice to see Warlock on his own.
1: Exactly. You know, and and that whole the whole uh, training sequence uh, was actually pretty cool with the, with the students part also. But when, you know, when they were kind of do, doing the three on three, like video game style matchup panels, I, I kind of I really love the art and. Some of the art uh picks in uh in this issue. So it's a potential click of the week for me.
0: I laughed. I was just like, oh, there there's Scout, you know, the former honey badger. Um, you know, that's what you know, she she's in that younger generation of uh, mutants that needs to get training. Yeah, indeed. You know, so the clone of Laura Kinney, so
1: yeah, I totally forgot that, that was her that was her and that was her name
0: that she changed her name to. I did too. So. I did too. I needed a little bit of refreshing. So, yeah. Uh, last but not least is X Force number fifteen. Did you read this? Yes. This was a tough read because Benjamin Percy is definitely playing into the um, the 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 Beast as a former member of Illumina- of the Illuminati personality. Or at least, you know, that's that's how I felt about it. Um, it's written by the book is written by Benjamin Percy with art by Joshua Kassara. So it's the return of the regular um, creative team uh, colors by guru EFX on the book. Uh, we pick up the pre Ten of Swords story with the beast continuing to be a pain. Colossus turns out to be innocent like we all knew. Of being a double agent, but X-Force hatches a plan to use Omega Red against Dracula and the Vampires. Meanwhile, at the end of the book, we find out that Krakoa is under attack.
1: Right. About something that came from Krakoa Krakoa during an earthquake or whatever the case might be? What that that whole thing was? Because I wasn't sure where that was going until things started happening with that.
0: Um. I wasn't sure... I wonder if it's Rocco. I wonder if it's um, the plant. Which are the old lady plant people? The old lady plant. Uh, the her, the. Oh, horticulture. Horticulture. Yeah, I thought it might be horticulture again.
1: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like their mo because normally they would have shown up in person. So I don't. Uh, I don't believe that's the case, but it could very well be, and we just don't know. So, uh, not sure what the nature of that thing very much was, and yeah, the bringing up the vampires thing, which I, uh, which again is a thing that came up before Ten of Swords, but had totally kind of forgotten about. And but I was, all, I have in my notes like, wait, wasn't that the Avengers thing? Because I know they're they're supposed to be dealing with uh, Dracula in in that book at some point coming up. Yeah. So I wasn't sure, but I do. I feel like there was some vague vague mention of uh there might have been some vague mention of vampires or at least with the humans trying to go up against krakor some kind of allegiance that happened that had to do with omega red and xyz no
0: yeah and that's it for me so uh you can take care of the rest of your books
1: all righty then uh which is only a couple of books anyway so savage avengers number 16 which is a click of the week for me um Magic's team does what they do best with a quick t- trip to limbo in between uh Doctor Strange gives Conan the spoils of uh that said mission uh but doesn't take it because of his you know distrust of magic and other and other things and of course crime yeah. uh, but also but he ends up take going to a ends up going to the bar at the end of this um name yes exactly that specific bar and of course the, you I, I do like that last page because it's like you see, you know, some people you know uh, villain-wise, but also a couple of people you you don't necessarily recognize. And also, I was like, wait, is that a new Nightshade? Um, Who, because he, he has two people in his arms, and I know both of them. One of them, I believe, is Nightshade, but I don't think it's the original Nightshade because she's Nighthawk now. Hold on. Um, Hold
0: on. I think I know what you're talking about. Right. right. Oh, and, on- We're talking about the one on the on his left, our right. Yes. Okay. I thought the other lady was Shikla, from Staten Island, from the Deadpool book.
1: Mm, I don't. I don't recall.
0: I only recognize her because of the Marvel Legends they just did of her. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's Shikla. Let me take a look. Yeah,
1: I've 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 seen that person before, but I could not. couldn't tell you for the life of me <laughs> and i thought they went by another name um and looking it up i don't it doesn't doesn't seem like it's her but um no nah, because you are the the one that's in like the white i think because what is her name i don't remember her name either like the other person like the, the 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 black chick that's nightshade we know that but we don't i don't think but that might be a new one um but yeah, the other the other lady, I know, I know her face. I mean, I know you know, but I don't know her name. So it, it at this point it really doesn't matter. But it was kind of fun just to see some of the people that was in the shot and you know and them going back to the bar with no name, which right. has come up a couple of different times uh, in in recent h- history, but not that often as it used to.
0: Mm, it may not be Shikla based on the face.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't think so because uh, from what I'm seeing from. Uh, looking her
0: up like two domino style like big you know circles around her eyes like raccoon yeah so i don't know I and i try to do a search
1: for whoever that person for whoever that person is and i'm like i don't know but i know i've seen that person before so it's it, um and the new nightshade which is like i just like i don't know if where that person ever show has shown up recently either so because like the you know the the original one is night uh nighthawk now but anyway uh, that is, thats is that first. Savage Avengers number 16. And last but not least, Star Wars. Darth Vader number 8. Uh, Vader realizes, relives, excuse me, some choices while battling something uh, in a pit of um, on Mustafar. Still don't know what that thing is or where that comes from. I'm... It, but um vader comes out with a holocron Carl, uh holocron aka a wayfinder or a wayfinder actually but he still has some opposition ahead of him uh you know uh trying to basically get himself back together and get back into the 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 into palpatine's good graces so was a good read
0: though i was going to say um I, you know uh, this is probably the subject for another extended show, hmm. but I keep wanting it, because my mind says I, I flip through this book, my mind says, and this is maybe me blocking out um, last Jedi and, and Rise of Skywalker. but I'm like, wait a second, that's um uh, uh, a holocron.
1: No. Yeah, it, and it definitely does look like a Sith holocron, but except for I think Sith holocrons usually are red colored, and that one's this one's like they had that one like colored blue or something. So, and I know they've had dis- different designations for things like that in certain Star Wars media. So the Wayfinder thing sounds for me, I just don't know where it's from.
0: Right, I mean, I just kind of, I, I just kind of got a kick out of. uh you know, kick out of that. I was just like, wait a second. You know, that like I said, this is this is them in, in introducing um you know, introducing uh you know, a new supposedly new concept. So what it
1: might about? not be new though. Like or 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 if it is, it's probably relatively new, like maybe some that came up in Rebels or something. Like I said, I don't remember I feel like I've seen that come up somewhere before, but I don't necessarily know where. Um and if it is indeed the first time that's come uh that's come up. Um in fact I'm just gonna go ahead and look it up right now. Here we go. Huh. Uh, so let's see. Rise of Skywalker, okay. Uh in Darth Vader eight, so which is this. And of course, uh, you know, the, the visual novel the visual databases. And it looks like it was mentioned in Star Wars Battlefront too. So um, so, so yeah, it looks like this was a Rise of Skywalker thing. So yeah. yeah. But yeah, I guess that's that. thing way it says here. Yeah, so this is that thing they went to go find on um, um, on whatever planet that was. So anyway, okay, cool. And that is it for me. Uh, Clicks of the week incoming. <laughs> And we uh, do have at least one click of the week, I don't think Yeah, he didn't he didn't say we do have one click of the week from one PCN underscore dirt, which is Taskmaster number two. So and I think wait, did he say something? He did say something about that, did he not? Yes he did. Yeah. Um Says art is gorgeous. Love the story. Sure, we all know how you take out super. Uh, I mean, Hyperion. But you actually start to admire Tasmaster for doing his way in this issue. And I agree with that. Uh, my only thing is, Phil Coulson dead? Oh, actually, I should have. I didn't see that part. Is Phil Coulson dead or isn't he in the movies? and the comics, I honestly don't know. Him. Yeah, I'm gonna have to because I do know. Uh, we know how that one worked out with the, with what's going on in Avengers. Kinda. Could they even kind of mention that stuff in this issue? So, so, yeah, we'll have to we we'll have to mention that to him uh, mm-hmm. later on. Do you have
0: yours? I have a long list of of uh, potential candidates. I you know can't <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't lie. Long list of potential candidates this week. Um, I think the strongest of them, uh, surprisingly, one of them is Taskmaster. Number two. Um, Another one is um, FF number twenty-seven, and I think the last really strong candidate for potential click of the week is um, probably a Mortal Hulk. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. So I've got to figure out what I'm going to choose. I mean, uh, I I have to figure out what I want to choose, and this is this is where I find myself. I mean, Three good candidates. Yeah, I would go
1: so far as to add uh, to my list, anyway, uh, Savage Avenger 16 and New Mutant 14, because I really like both of those, uh, in addition to the ones that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, New New Mutants number 14 was good, because I thought it was a strong uh, you know, I love the concept. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that, you know, the students eventually become the teachers. So, you know, and and I like that that, uh, Peter Ayala was taking that concept and running with it uh, in this book in particular, because of the Multiple generations of potential ex students that are now on Krakoa.
1: Right. So,
0: hmm, I'm just gonna have to choose. Uh, Let's see. I am still enjoying the hell out of slots. Fantastic Four run. You know, it's kind of it's really reinvigorated. I think his his passion for writing he apparently according to um uh the documentary the marvel the 616 documentary that's on uh, disney plus right. he's not totally bad with deadlines uh, but i think that he is uh you know really expressing the passion that he has for these cosmic stories in the ff so i'm going to go with fantastic four number
1: 27 nice nice um Hmm. Well, I write your write write your entry in here. Yeah, and I think I'll, also I will say that I think it's um, he's definitely invigorated the Fantastic Four because let's face it, there have been some good Fantastic runs in the past. This mm-hmm. one kind of, you know, modernizes it, but still keeps you know a, a lot of what made the FF great. You know, in in certain ways. I agree. So it, it, it it's, it's, it's good that he's, uh, he's on this. Um, I think I am. Hmm. Uh, Tazmaster is probably the, the, the strongest one out of, you know, between that and, and new mutants. Um, so I'm kind of inclined to go with dirt on this one. But I'm actually going to go for New Mutants number 14. Nice. You know, like I said, just just like Young, I'm kind of like what they're doing with this and, you know, where they're heading. And hopefully it keeps up nicely and and Vita's given, Vita and Cruz given the chance to keep going and and see what they do with it.
0: Yeah, I hope so, too. I mean, it's, it's a concept that they really need to implement on Krakoa. Right. And it made
1: sense because there was a the, the data page that had the, to do with uh, the petitioning of um, uh, to the Quiet Council that, that kind of led into it, which was also kind of funny because basically it was like, hey, OK, well, thank you for vo- Xavier's basis. Thank you for volunteering for this thing you're petitioning
0: us about. Exactly. He's <laughs> like, like, this is a subject near and dear to my heart.
1: Yeah. You, you know, know what? How- yeah. Go ahead and take that out, which is, you know, c- classic um, politic, not politicking, but, um, you know, delegating. Absolutely. So that was kind of amusing. So yeah, that is that. And that is my pick. New uh, Mutants number 14. And that ends the Clicks of the Week and the books. And therefore, we will go into the news section. But first, an ad read.
0: Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron. Fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us do it today now we get into the news
1: so we start off with uh, the cinematic news like we do about this time with Wunmi Wasako I apologize if I'm messing up your name To star in Marvel's Loki at Disney Plus first footage drop uh, no, before I go into this, uh, we did talk about some of the stuff, although the, the first few stuff, uh, going into this last week, but some of this is going to be touched on real quick. So uh, bear with us on that, but wouldn't um, has been revealed to be one of the principal cast members in the upcoming, upcoming Disney plus Marvel series. Loki, her role is not yet known, though we can see her character in the first footage, which was unveiled uh uh at the Disney's Investor Day from last week. She joins Tom Hiddleston in the title role uh, along with uh Sophia DiMartino. Uh isn't she also in WandaVision? I don't know. Uh Owen Wilson and Gugu Mabatha Ra and Sasha Lane. So I've rewatched this um rewatched that trailer from, from last week, uh, you know, and, and obviously people have been picking it apart you know just to see what's what and there is some definite news on that uh later on in the show but um yeah i'm actually looking forward to to the loki thing uh mm-hmm. woman misaka if you don't know she uh isn't she played in north crash country more recently uh but i believe is, she was in that might not be her um I thought she was in Justice League, but I might might not be, I might be wrong about that. Um, Yeah, actually, she was in Batman Superman. She was in Batman uh, Superman, not Justice League. Excuse me. Because if I'm not mistaken, she was a young lady that was testifying in the court before that part, quote unquote, blew up. Um, And I think part of that was like uh, uh, deleted out. So, but I believe that is definitely her, but yeah, she's, so she's been around. She's been, she's been doing something. I like her.
0: All right, cool. So next up. All right. Next up, uh, as we mentioned last week, it was announced at Disney's investor day that Marvel is working on a live action. Riri Williams Ironheart series. Yay. Uh, that's aptly titled Ironheart relative newcomer, Dominique Thorne, who has appeared in if Beale street could talk. And the upcoming Judas and the Black Messiah will play the titular character. Good for her.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Uh, next up, Marvel announces uh, Secret Invasion and four other Disney Plus series uh, for the MCU. Again, some of this we kind of talked about already. Um, but uh, Secret Invasion uh, is basically the series that's uh, starring Samuel Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, both of which I believe last seen in Captain Marvel. Well, Captain Marvel, but wait, did they did either one of them show up during in-game? I don't remember.
0: What? No, uh, they came. They they showed up during um, what call it, um, Far from Home. Yes.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. That's that is right. That is that is true. So last seen there. Uh, right. I just, like, just, just forgot about that.
0: Right. Last MCU movie we've seen
1: yeah um but it sounds like um you know secret invasion is going to basically do the plot of secret invasion uh, which uh sounds like you know scrolls are gonna in- invade which we wasn't sure where that part was going from captain marvel and you know going forward so sounds like we might have been right
0: right and it's always awkward to think that the scrolls are going to be the good guys the entire time they can't be the scrolls right,
1: right. But apparently, yeah, but especially with a scroll working with uh, Nick Fury. So, um, yeah, that, I, I am actually kind of interested to see how that's going to play out. Uh, but yeah, Ironheart was the other series. Um, what other ones? Armor Wars, which is it sounds like it's going to be doing a spin on that iron, classic Iron Man event. And it's going to be starring uh, Don Cheadle. All
0: right. I was about to say the focus of the show is going to be on War Machine. So mm-hmm. it's... A- be a very different armor wars
1: but um which actually kind of makes sense because like well tony's not here so I, and if they go this way i don't i'm assuming they will like okay tony's not here and then there's a bunch of people with his tech so
0: roadie's trying to go and get it back or whatever the case may. right we haven't seen we haven't seen release schedules yet right. i don't think for this or iron heart which would seem to be um related right so we'll see how those two shows may possibly tie in together, or potentially related. Uh, yeah, right. So uh, moving on, though. But yeah, and Guardians of the, the, the Galaxy, cool. and I t- basically
1: two Guardians of the Galaxy uh, things. Like one's a Hollywood holiday special, another one's I am I am shorts, I guess. Right. So, um,
0: um, in one piece of news that I didn't, I don't think we actually talked about last week. Uh, apparently Marvel Studios has announced a new series that's debuting exclusively on Disney+, Plus, which is called Marvel Studios Legends. That's going to showcase individual characters viewers have come to know and love over the years and revisit some of their most iconic moments. So it's really like a clip show, but it's going to really refresh everyone's memory because we haven't seen a lot of these characters since um, Endgame and or Far From Home, and it's been a while. So, it seems a good idea to refresh everyone's memories and recollections before Phase 4 of the Marvel Universe Cinematic Universe continues.
1: Right. And part of me kind of wondered, like, are they going to do, like, there are some YouTube videos, uh, places out there going through the comic legends and also going into the MCU part? Or, like, are they just going to stick to the MCU? And actually, one part of me, I thought about this for you. I thought it was like, wait, are they talking about Marvel Legends figures? Like, are they going to go...
0: I like, is is this going to be a yeah.
1: toy show before I saw what they were talking about?
0: That's funny.
1: So, but yeah, so that's the thing that's coming. I believe there might be a date on this one. I don't think so. No, it's not. Um, oh, wait, no. It's, yes, it is. January 15th, 2021.
0: Right. No. Oh, I'm wait, no. Asking. That's my
1: WandaVision. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's WandaVision. No,
0: sooner. It's like January 8th, I think.
1: Uh, yeah. Marvel, Marvel Studios that's Legends. 8th. Yeah. No, oh, it's January 8th.
0: Yeah. Right. this is coming out soon. Like I said, this is more like this is more than, you know, this may be just a glorified clip show, but it's really a good primer for people who are just jumping on. Where have you been all this time, or people who just don't remember it the way we do, hmm. and just a little bit of a refresher before uh WandaVision starts up maybe but it seems like the way they describe
1: it though it seems like they're going more comic bent on this because they said uh revisit more some of their more iconic moments and they didn't have that many moments in their time during the, the MCU
0: to no warrant what that. I think no but as I said it's a primer for the characters right it's- you know, um, and it's and, and it's and it's a lead into the Wanda Vision show because you know, just looking at the trailer, you know they're touching on a lot of the comic based stuff in the, in, you know, they're going to be touching on the comic comic based stuff in the show. So, yeah, sure, um, they, it's you know, it's they're definitely going to have clips to make sure everyone knows where they've come from, but they're also, I think, like you said, going to delve into the comic side to really talk about where this show might be going. Right
1: um but next up and actually i'm gonna I'm a, I'm a mention this because i don't remember if we talked about it really in passing but we knew christian Braille was going to be uh cast in thor love and thunder but apparently we know he's going to be called the god butcher right we did mention that last i week. wasn't sure whether we did at, at some point but um i'll just reiterate that real quick so but she hulk uh from she hulk corner uh tim roth joining tatiana Mons- maslani um Mark Ruffalo reprising Hulk role on Disney Plus Marvel series. So, one, we got reconfirmation that Tante Alan Mazzolani is going to be playing She-Hulk, because after that whole thing of her saying that, you know, she wasn't going to be, and that basically, uh, you know, trying to, to disguise the fact that she was doing that, which, uh, again, I will say she didn't necessarily have to do. But they did it for some other reason. Because um, uh, the
0: was, Sniper's are on the rooftops. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> I the Marvel yeah. snipers are out there. We know
1: yeah. why. Well, yeah, but like I said, she didn't have to say anything. She just kind of came out and said that. But it, it's it's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, this is all come from that. The vessel's called, and yeah, uh, Tilda Roth is coming back as uh the Abomination from the Hulk uh, movie, and again, Mark Ruffalo is playing um you know Bruce Banner Hulk, uh, which makes sense given her origin and their connection. You know, I don't know how it doesn't say necessarily here what their part what's going to part, because we don't there's a lot of things we don't know about the show uh, at this point. But it's cool. And the fact they're bringing back Abomination uh, uh, is interesting. So,
0: but yeah, there you go. Next up. Next up, the upcoming Hawkeye TV series is going to hit Disney Plus in the fall of 2021 as part of phase four of the MCU Jeremy Renner is going to reprise his role as Clint Barton, but the show is also going to introduce a new Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, played by Haley Steinfeld. Um, It's additionally going to introduce Maya Lopez, played by Alakwa Cox, who's going to play an important role in the MCU. What we know as comic book readers is that Maya Lopez eventually takes, starts with the uh, identity uh, of Echo, um, she is a deaf native American superhero whose aesthetic includes a white handprint on her face, but she also eventually takes on the role of Ronin, so that might be the costumed role that she takes on in the wake of Hawkeye probably giving that costumed role up after yeah. the events of Endgame.
1: Which makes which makes total sense, which is I'm actually and also which is why we saw see have seen that character in recent uh in recent uh history, especially with that last Hawkeye um uh miniseries where she shows up. So
0: Oh, she there? Mm, I was yeah, watching she... Captain America as well, so
1: oh, okay, cool. Yeah she shows up for like a, a brief moment uh in in that mini series. So which is kinda cool. But uh yeah, next up though uh, fantastic movie, Mar- Marvel movie officially announced. We talked about this last week. So, um, And I think we even talked about who's uh, attached who uh, to this, which is John Watts, uh, who did the last couple of uh, Spider-Man movies. So we know it's in good hands. So he's going to be on board to uh, direct this one. Uh, not really much else is known about that except for that. But I, I feel like it's better faith. You know, because there has not been a good Fantastic Four movie Ever. Um, um, and now that this is like in house and under the wing, this could go better, hopefully.
0: Next up. Next up. Disney is moving several titles to Disney Plus either for free or as part of its premier access window, like Mulan, but Black Widow is not one of them. The film was rumored to have a sim- simultaneous release, like Warner Brothers is doing with. It's 2021 movies on HBO Max, but Disney executives shut down those rumors during the uh, investors' call. Black Widow is still slated for a May 7th, 2021 release, which is a date that is set after multiple delays during the the year 2020. The May 7th date pushed Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings to July 9th, 2021. Meanwhile, The Eternals, Move to November fifth, twenty twenty one. You know, there's there, there's some more uh, in depth thought here on why they did the move, but I feel like the MCU is going to have at least one division carrying it forward into the new year. So there's going to be some content out there, even if it is just on Disney Plus, um, and. I, I, I kind of respect them for, for keeping Black Widow in the theaters. I'll be honest. I
1: guess um, for for a long languishing movie that we probably should have seen well before now, I guess that's the case. And also being that that Loki uh, trailer may have hinted to her uh, being there, as, I, as we said last week. Uh, yeah, that the rest of that bears out. Okay. Well,
0: I think I, what I was going to say is I think this announcement... Uh, given the the, the recent uh, the the recent glimmers of hope that we've all been given with the announcements of the vaccines being approved for use um, against COVID, um, and and possibly accelerating the timeline for having everyone in the in the United States vaccinated, you start to think, well, m- maybe that May seventh, twenty twenty one date is a little on the optimistic side, but at the same time. If it's still there in June or July, when we finally get our shots, you know, I'll be happy to go to the movies.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Pretty much. So, So, you know, it's kind of, it's, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of like, you know what? I'll be happy to go see that as long as I've got my shots in place, you know? Yeah, I guess.
1: Like, I I don't know. I feel like I could think of better ones that, 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 um, that, that. That I'd be more interesting. Like, a, yes, I definitely want to see this, but I'd be, there's a, I feel like there's
0: probably a, a couple more that's, I'm like, sure, I'd go a oh, movie for this. You thing. are? Huh? You mean UIs that they could release in its place, like in that schedule slot? Or that I
1: would go to see in the movie theaters if they're going to keep to that as opposed to hers. I it. not because I, I don't want to see hers. Like, look at it, look at it. it's like kind of a long language movie that we should have gotten by now. Well, it should have gotten well before now, but, you know, things are things.
0: Right. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm, I'll just be happy. And I think most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe fans would be like, I want content and I want it now. There's definitely been a lot of that because there's
1: there's actually been articles some uh you know, just being all dramatic about this. It's been a
0: year without Marvel movies. Oh, no. You know, you know what it is. is was it the first one since 2009? Right.
1: Mm, that's probably right. Yeah.
0: Wait no, no two, the the first
1: Marvel two, movie was like 2008.
0: Right, 2008 were 2008 had two Marvel movies. It had uh, Iron Man and Hulk. Right, and then like, 2009 was empty, and then 2010 started the multiple Marvel movies per year. Yeah, uh, he you know like uh, not started it, but kept it kept it rolling. You know, sure. So yeah, but a long time. Yeah, that is a long time in between. You know, uh, uh, it's a you know it's a long time in between years where. Uh, you've, you're, you've been spoiled to sometimes have three in True. one year.
1: But also, that was the the beginning of it and we did not know they were going to do that. We didn't, wasn't sure at the time they were going to deluge us with the movies, you know, as we ended up getting. So yeah, we ended up definitely getting spoiled at a certain point, but then it was like, okay, they'll, they'll, this is a Star Wars schedule or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, but anyway, move right along. Um... Jamie Alexander's Lady Sif to rest, to return in Thor, Love, and Thunder, which I totally forgot I had this in there because of what I said earlier. But, um, yeah, Sif is going to be in um, Thor, Love, and Thunder, like people have speculated. But uh, according to Deadline, she will not only play Sif, Sif in, oh, she's basically also playing Sif in Loki, the Disney Plus Loki um, show, as well as Love and Thunder which actually does a part of that that um that um Loki trailer that has me puzzled but we don't necessarily have to get into that right now. Uh so yeah, there you go. Seth's back.
0: Next. All righty. Uh when they announced the news that uh uh the Ant-Man and Wasp movie, can you believe we're going to have 3 Ant-Man movies? Three of them, DC.
1: The fact that we had one.
0: Three Ant-Man movies. This one's gonna be called uh call uh, whatchamacallit? uh what was it? What's the subtitle for this one? Uh Quantumania. Quantumania! Running <laughs> wild Um What you know what came with the announcements uh, of the cast was that uh you know Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer were returning for the sequel. It seemed to have come as a shock that um oh, what is her name? Emma Furman um mm-hmm. was not returning for the sequel and was going to be replaced as Cassie Lang. Emma Furman played uh Cassie, the the slightly grown uh Cassie um, in Endgame um, and she's being replaced as Cassie Lang by actress Catherine Newton in, uh, in Quantumania uh, Furman recently took to Twitter to respond to the news that she would not be appearing in the movie and she expressed her appreciation for fans that reached out to her in support while also revealing that she too unfortunately found out about the recasting news on Thursday after the uh, Disney investor call Right, um, which we talked about
1: this behind the scenes last uh, last episode uh, about you know, the, the curiosity about this this happening or, or whether it was happening, and after the, the announcement was last week. So yeah, just here is that to answer some of that. Also, the time frame for for uh, the last movie being twenty twenty three is kind of funny because I totally actually uh, blanked on that because we knew it was five years, but we don't. And we have seen like, hey, them put timestamps on the MCU movies, uh, but I totally forgot that you know, you know, twenty twenty three was the, the date that uh, you know when when Scott ends up coming out of the quantum realm. Mm. So that's kind of funny, actually. Anyway, so that's that, and you know, did you actually mention what she said or no? Yeah,
0: oh, well, in 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 broad strokes, not, yeah, no specific.
1: Yeah, but you could also read that if you uh, read the article. So but she she basically says that, you know, she was grateful for the for the opportunity. So as the HSO reporter said. Um uh I'm not gonna say this is a big, but this article does. A big in adventures in game moment for Captain America just happened in real life in New York City.
0: It's kinda know. cool though.
1: It is, it very much is. So basically, uh, if you remember the part of uh, in-game where Cap and Natasha were talking and they were sitting out and they saw and Cap noticed the the, the whales in the Hudson. Well, guess what? A, a thing actually happened. <laughs> a thing like that actually happened. Uh, because, uh, did it say when this happened? Oh, uh, it says, uh, according to the Instagram post, a sea giant, well, it says a sea giant. Yeah. Was, was spotted close to Mid- midtown touring the city's uh waterways on tuesday uh as of you know of this recording anyway which was last tuesday uh it even took time to stop close by to the statue of liberty doing its visit right. um, i mean
0: i know someone that that was close enough where uh when when the humpback whale um came up and 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 exhaled through its blowhole mm-hmm. and took a picture had it on and had it on Instagram. I was like, "Oh, that is awesome." Oh, that's real cool. I'm, yeah. It's it's interesting that we had the same effects of wiping out half the planet's population by going into lockdown because of the pandemic. I know, right? Thing uh, decided to, clean, you know, the the waters and the environment kind of cleaned up because we weren't we you know, we kind of halted putting um, bad stuff into the system. So,
1: Right, and during the course of uh, in game, of course, that when Captain Natasha was talking, they were like, "Yeah, it's because there, there aren't any any humans around, so they've you know pretty much are coming through." And there was that whole
0: exactly. thing. Significantly less, exactly, exactly, yeah. Activity. There's less transportation, what and whatnot. So, it's it's interesting that we got the same um, uh, byproducts. Also, uh, might be kind of telling, but I don't know how to feel about oh, no. that. <laughs> no, who snapped? who snapped? I know, right? All right, uh, next up, Eternal Star Gemma Chan, uh, or Gemma Chan reveals why uh, Marvel brought her back after Captain Marvel. I want to say it's Gemma because I've heard people say Gemma.
1: Right, I'm not sure either, but that sounds right.
0: So uh, uh, she recently spoke with The Hollywood Reporter in support of her new HBO Max film, Let Them All Talk, when she detailed the circumstances for her return to Marvel Studios while also speaking a bit about the differences between Eternals and Captain Marvel. Uh, She says that, you know, we all know that her character dies in Captain Marvel, so she thought there would be no chance to come back, But uh, and she was disappointed about that. But uh, she says that she ran into Kevin Feige during the awards tour for, the awards circuit for Crazy Rich Asians, and out of the blue, he comes up to her and says, we'd love to have you back. We'd love to make better use of you, and we want you to do something else, so let's find that project. And uh Gemma Chan thought there was no I, she was she was she had no idea that it would happen so quickly um she can't speak at length about the movie but um you know it's because it was pushed back to November 2021 because
1: of uh covid right and also a shout out to Agent 70 for that um trap called quest re- reference there i i, I saw i, I peeped what you did there <laughs> <laughs> i peeped that um but also we don't know when the, the time frame of what Eternals is going to be, like it, they're probably going to run some length of time. Therefore, you know, it's very possible that her character c- could very well be around during that time because of the time frame that it's set in, or at least part of the time frame that it's going to be set in. Right. So it makes sense, like pretty much how they did with um, uh, Diamond shoes character in Captain America, Captain Marvel. Excuse me, you know, in a in a sense.
0: Well, you know, at the end of the day, if 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 she can do this, it's uh, and and obviously it 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 helps that she had um, cree makeup on, so right. she wasn't exactly recognizable in her role as Doctor Minerva, mm-hmm. so or at least Minerva. So it does leave open the door for some actors to, you know, if they if they find themselves in like a bit role in a Marvel movie and 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 our, uh, perfect for maybe a different role in a different Marvel movie. That there is an opportunity for them to come back.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I feel like, given what the Eternals are, it's probably her character at an earlier time or something like that. You know,
0: I don't think so. But like I said, you we know, don't I know. think that's where they're going. I think that's. Right. I think, you know, this may be a, a one-off where they're recast You know, where they're casting the same actor in something else, but. Could be. Like I said, my, my hope is that, uh, uh, you know, if you are in a bit role, they might be able to bring you back. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, Marvel studios is playing with house money. They have been for a long time. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much.
1: Yeah. Like we don't know which way this is going to go. Either way. Cool. You know? Yep. So next up though. Um, let's see. Oh, whoop. Indiana Jones movie announced for 2022 Harrison Ford will return one last time.
0: Wait, hold on. I got something about this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> will his son Ben do him in in this movie also? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. Um, only time will tell. But yeah, so for some for some I'm assuming that's going to be for some time now, the question of whether Harrison Ford's character in the celebrated Indiana Jones fran- uh, franchise will be recast has been a big topic of heated debates. While it's understandable that no one here expects expected the uh, actor to pay the role forever, to think that any other actor in this place, uh, in his place, is akin to a sin. I, I guess. Um, well, now you don't have to entertain this uh, scary possibility. As I mean, you're still going to have to at some point because yeah, if this is going to be this last one, <laughs> then somebody's going to. If they do end up doing more Indiana Jones films going past this, you know, the, that's going to be addressed. Mm-hmm. They were still talking about Shia for this, and I'm like, uh, well, not for this, but at some point, I don't know how I felt about that. And I still haven't seen Crystal Scroll all the way through, so whatever it is. But regardless, uh, Disney announces there's going to be Indiana Jones. Wait, I thought that last one was five. Yeah, I guess that was four. So yeah, end of Indiana Jones 5 is going to be filming in the spring next year, though pre-production for the same is already in
0: progress. So, there you go. Next up all right, next up uh, this is something we did mention last week, but in uh, you know, but we'll talk about this in slightly fuller fashion. Pixar has announced an origin story for the Space Ranger made famous in the Toy Story franchise Buzz Lightyear. Lightyear uh, charts uh, which is a movie that was announced during the Disney investor call. Charts Buzz's course from Test Pilot to Space Ranger. The new feature film was announced. Um, and the picture is going to be directed by Angus McClain, who co-directed Finding Dory. Christoph- Chris Evans of Captain America fame, Steve Rogers, is going to voice Buzz. The picture is going to release June 17th, 2022. Uh, just remember that at first glance, you might think this is a Toy Story film. It's not. Um, so, you know, they, they go on to really detail that um, Buzz Lightyear uh, was created with the idea that he was a toy based on some really cool character from an epic blockbuster film. So uh, they've decided that now is the time to make that film.
1: I guess we'll see if that actually ends up being the case, but, you know, it's going to be something. So <laughs> cool. And, yeah, Chris Evans. Yay. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984, director Patty Jenkins to helm new Star Wars movie, Rogue Squadron. I believe we did actually talk about this uh, a little bit last week.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Patty Jenkins is set to direct Rogue Squadron, a new Star Wars movie coming into Christmas 2023. We all know she's doing Wonder Woman 84 right now, and as the, as the title just said, and all that kind of good mess. So there is that. Um that Actually, the video that, that, that is announced is actually kind of cool. That was kind of a neat little thing. Um, so in in said video, uh, Jenkins talked up her history with the Air Force, which I didn't know about, and her uh, desire to create the greatest fighter pilot movie ever, but couldn't find the right story for her dream uh, project. But now she has. So that's actually pretty cool. I, and I'm also kind of curious knowing this. I'm like, I wonder what would have happened if she had gotten her hands on uh, Captain Marvel. As opposed to uh, Wonder Woman knowing knowing this. Right. So, but yeah, that's cool. That's not really much is known about this uh, as um, as much as the other stuff outside of what was just mentioned.
0: Next up. All right, uh Patty Jenkins also discussed with... Uh, um. Yahoo Entertainment, uh, the pressures that come with the territory when entering uh, the fan-favorite galaxy far, far away. She basically says that she feels a huge amount of pressure to make a great Star Wars film. The fan base is amazing and massive, and that's no small task. That's really what she's thinking about. So she's looking to uh, pave the way and you know do something hopefully uh, good and probably groundbreaking. Yeah, and the fan base, fan
1: base for, for Star Wars is pretty much like any other fandom in certain, some respects, the less said about that, the better I'll say. Um, Hayden Christensen to return as Darth Vader in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, so yeah, I guess, uh, that's going to happen. I am more curious as to see if they're going to get James Earl Jones back, which you got to think that that's, that has to be a thing that happens, right?
0: At least when he has the helmet on,
1: right? um so yeah exactly because we're uh, from what it seems like they're we're definitely going to see burnt and again, probably quite possibly in some sort of flashback situation we don't know uh but apparently it says who was that which there
0: i'll tell you it'd be great if they actually no. damn it did you finish watching rebels yeah oh okay it's clone wars that you didn't finish right okay so it would be great if they pulled the twilight of the uh, a twilight of the apprentice scene where his helmet's damaged and that's when you see anakin
1: Yes. But then that would kind of mess things up because then cause obviously so according to this article, Obi-Wan is set uh, ten years after the events of episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm.
0: Um right. it may not be Obi-Wan doing the damage though. So, you know, you never know. But Well, Obi-Wan actually, no,
1: it still kind of checks out because now that I think about it, not about think about a new hope, it seems like he definitely knew that Anakin. Was ended up knowing that Anakin ended up being Vader, right? But so, my
0: point is, at that, that point, like he is, in age wise, he's probably not old enough, you know, uh, to portray you know how old Vader would be at that time. Right. So it's it, it's a little touch and go. But you know, I I, I imagine at least that uh, you know it would be cool to see that kind of um, that kind of scene portrayed be portrayed on film. Where you hear Anakin's voice coming out of the damaged helmet, right? Or,
1: or at the very least, because they as close as they were, that you know, he, a very like actually kind of almost like Ahsoka did early on in uh, in Rebels, kind of sensed that it was him f- through the through the Force some kind of way. But it sounds like definitely they're going to square up again, um, which like I said, and the reason why I said that was because of like the, if you think about a New Hope and you think about how uh, um, Obi Wan described. uh, Anakin to Luke. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. But and also that when Revenge have happened, he pretty much left him for dead. So he wouldn't have known what happened to him after that fact until, unless he you know hit up a beginner or felt it in the force some kind of way, you know? So mm-hmm. this is probably gonna go the way to explain how he not how he knew that Anakin was Vader.
0: So cool. All right. Next up, uh, Justin Simeon, the writer, producer, and director of Dear White People, is creating a Lando Calrissian event series for Disney+, Plus, fittingly titled Star Wars Lando. Like Mando! The project is still in early stages of development, and Lucasfilm has yet to provide nearly any details on the project, including whether or not either Billy D. Williams or Donald Glover or Colt 45 uh, the, the first two have played the character in other live action Star Wars installments are attached to the project.
1: Yeah, I would assume, at the very least, Donald Glover, but I know telling you, man, maybe, maybe he may or may not want to do it again. I know telling But yeah, that that is a curiosity at this point um, of that happened. And yeah, when you said the thing about the Lando Mando thing, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, yeah, they kind of did that same thing with that uh, uh, casting and Or. Um, the show that they're doing because they're basically doing, you know, Andor, and then there's Lando and then, you know, what did they do with Mandalorian? Coincidence? Probably not. Next up, uh, here's your first, speaking of Andor's, here's your first look at Andor, the star Wars rogue one prequel. Um, yeah. So along with the other stuff from the investors day, we got this, that, that, that Cassie and Andor show that also kind of long lingering, is actually going to come out at some point. Um, and I checked it out. It was actually kind of cool. You know, it's like they, the, uh, uh, Diego Luna's also executive producing this and, you know, having a little more hands on And they kind of went a little behind the scenes a little bit and, you know, played off some footage of uh, Rogue One. I'm kind of curious as to, obviously this is going to be before the events of Rogue One, but I'm kind of curious as to how this is going to start, like how they're going to kick this off. Like are they just going to just straight up go back there, or is it going to be like, say, near the end of Rogue One when he and Jen's kind of sitting there before things happen, or before it ends kind of kills the, before things happen, and then they're just a reminiscing on the past kind of situation. So that is that is my curiosity with this. Outside of that, who even know what's, what it's going to be outside of leading up to Rogue One. Uh, next up.
0: Next up, we did discuss this last week that Ahsoka Tano is getting her own Star Wars show as revealed during the Investor Day call. Um, It seems that the project is still a long way off, so uh, we did not get too many details on the plot. One thing we do know is that the show is going to be set immediately after the events of Star Wars Rebels, which means that it should all be before Ahsoka's meeting with Din Djarin and Grogu. On top of that, this unknown period in Ahsoka's life could serve as a great setting for us to learn more about the history of the Jedi Order. Okay. And uh, just as a quick note, as we said last week, the Ahsoka Tano series will be created and executive produced by Mandalorian creator and executive producer Dave Filoni, who created Ahsoka and was executive producer on the animated series Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Which, again, the... So, okay, so this
1: says basically, yeah, what you just said about the when this is set, which is still kind of weird because we know after what we know from uh, at the end of Rebels, uh, actually, it does make sense because, especially given the, um, I guess, given the meeting of the Mandalorian and what she was looking for during that episode, I guess it kind of still makes sense. I was like, because when I first read this, it was like, that weirdly really kind of doesn't check out but actually i guess it still does so i think yeah cool either way it, it, it's irrelevant because it's gonna be cool either way <laughs> um but next up disney announces mandalorian spinoff uh rangers of the new republic which coming after people were saying that those uh republic pirate pilots uh should have gotten their own show uh this is kind of funny that this is happening but also during the um, the investors' day call, Kathleen Kennedy announced a pair of spinoffs for the hit Disney Plus series of Mandal- *Mandalorian*: the aforementioned *Ahsoka*, and uh, according to this article, the intriguing sounding *Rangers of the Old Republic*. Uh, both new series will be overseen by uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau, and both sound like a lot of fun, according to this article. There's no details, but we're, the, but this article speculates that uh, *Rangers of the Old Republic* will center around sector rangers. Um, a sort of intergalactic police force established by the Galactic Republic during to prior to the Clone Wars. <laughs> so, it says here a Star Wars space procedural. They're 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 thinking. So, if that is the case, maybe. But I don't know. That's kind of cool. Could be more like a. I don't want to say Battlestar Galactic because technically they were running from, <laughs> they were they were running from th- their creations. But
0: sure, cool. Next up. Next up, during that same investors call, Disney revealed two new Star Wars projects titled Star Wars Visions and a droid story which will make their de- debut on Disney Plus. Star Wars Visions is described as an original series of animated short films celebrating the Star Wars galaxy through the lens of the world's best Japanese anime creators coming in 2021 to Disney Plus. Um Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Lucasfilm president, revealed that the series will feature 10 fantastic visions in all. A Droid Story is an animated adventure series featuring R2-D2 and C-3PO set to be produced by Lucasfilm Animation and ILM. Um, The epic journey is going to introduce us to a new hero, likely a new droid, guided by our most iconic duo on a secret mission known only to them. What could possibly go wrong? God, I hope it's not um, uh, uh, whatever whatever that droid was that was in Last Jedi.
1: <laughs> Wait, not not BB Eight. You're talking about the um...
0: the useless one.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't remember the name of, it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. so my thinking uh, going from backwards to forwards with the droid plot, the droid story one, I'm thinking. Uh you may remember this uh Agent Seventy, the, the George cartoon show. Yep, yep. The, I was kinda thinking like it should could be more along the line of because you know they were with um I forgot who they were, who who had them at the time, but it wasn't any of the main characters. And it wasn't like Biggs or anybody did like that, but I can't remember. Antilles. I think it was Captain Antilles, maybe? oh okay. I don't remember. Regardless, they were with, um, regardless, they were in and they were getting into misadventures. And they really need to put that droid to, uh, cartoon on Disney Plus because I would like to see some of that again. Um, But as far as Star Wars Visions is concerned, like we know there's been some Star Wars manga, there's Star Wars manga out there. Um, and I believe there's actually some animated stuff, whether it's fan done or whether it's, you know, uh, officially done uh anime type star wars stuff out there too i believe and i'm not even talking about that the galaxy of heroes stuff so i wonder if that's some of that's going to be there or, or if this is like all new stuff
0: mm-hmm.
1: so either way it's kind of cool next up uh speaking going back to the mandalorian we now have a translation of boba fett's message because you knew that wasn't going to take long um, and apparently in the last episode, not this, uh, the, the one pre- previously to this one, uh, where Boba Fett and, um, and, uh, the Mandalorian meet, uh, Boba Fett pretty much puts up his wristwatch and, and gives up a hollow, uh, a hollow vid of, uh, his family tree timeline type situation. I guess that, that that is definitely a Mandalorian thing. And, uh, and it was done in Operesh, which is basically basic in Star Wars universe. Um, And I kind of figured people were going to translate that. And it says, foundling, uh, well, granted, this is a fan thing done. So, uh, it says foundling, foundling took into the year, uh, the Concord Dawn, which that's a notable thing, mentored Jace, uh, Father Fett, Boba Fett. So basically it's talking about Django and who found Django because at the time, because when this happened, uh, Boba Fett said that he, he was a that uh, his his dad uh, Jango was a foundling. Also, um, et cetera, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, cool. Whether that's going to end up um, coming up at some other point, we'll
0: see. Um, next up. Next up, minor spoilers because this episode was from two weeks ago now. But um, Mandalorian fans are convinced Luke Skywalker is going to be the Jedi who answers Grogu's signal. And apparently these fans have brought receipts. Um, Fans have speculated that Ezra Bridger or any of the other Jedi that survived Order 66 might answer Grogu's message. But other fans have theorized that a very different Jedi will be setting out to find Grogu and train him in the ways of the Force. And it's one already familiar with Boba Fett. Fans believe Luke Skywalker, who at this point would be beginning to rebuild the Jedi Order, might sense Grogu's call, so he'll set out to meet with the child. This theory already sounds plausible. Yeah. Since he definitely is around at this time and would be one of the few active Jedi out there, fans believe there is additional evidence that supports the possibility. I'm not going to go into it now, but I swear, if we see Sebastian Stan dressed up as Luke Skywalker post-Return of the Jedi um you know playing him in uh, uh in the mandalorian i think the internet might actually break it that
1: would actually be kind of glorious yes because there was that whole thing <laughs> of um yeah the, the sebastian Stan saying that they, they they definitely do look a whole a lot alike uh in you know in in mark hamill's younger days so yep. that would actually be pretty dope i would i would i support this but as i was also what's it got
0: I honestly think, and and, and I'll tell you this before we move on, uh, unless uh, you may have something to add to the story. But um, my final note to this story is that I generally watch the Mandalorian Friday episodes over lunch. Mm -hmm. So I definitely don't wake up and like pop it on, you know, Disney Plus, um, but, you know, in the morning, although I, you know, who knows if I can't sleep or if I, if I wake up stupendously early, I just might. But I try to stay off social media until I watch it on Fridays.
1: Yeah, and actually, speaking of, at the time of this recording, it sounds like uh, or people are, are spoiling things. And it's not even out out yet. But
0: um, Yeah, hey, it's not out for another three hours. Right, recording. as of this
1: recording. But apparently people are already uh, spoiling things uh, uh, anecdotally. So That's crazy.
0: I'm staying off for me until this episode drops for until I actually sit and watch this episode, forget when it drops, because it'll be out in the early a.m. here on the East Coast. But right.
1: uh, The funny part I was going to say about that, part usually uh, with the exception of that Ahsoka one, I usually kind of wait till like honestly the day we record or prior or like the Wednesday or the Wednesday before to kind of watch the episode. So it'll be a little bit fresh in my head. But that Ahsoka one I was really uh, excited to, to see. So I went ahead and popped that one, you know, when it when it popped out.
0: Right, I'm one of those day one guys. I get my comics on Wednesday. I go to open night off. I go to opening night for 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 MCU movies, and I'm gonna watch this. But I'm definitely gonna try to stay, you know, watch this the first day it's out. But I'm gonna try to stay off social media because I swear. If all of a sudden I start getting text messages from people like, did you see this? I'm going to go nuts.
1: Yeah, fair. And I'm also a day one movie person, so I'm with you on that part. And yeah, so, but the only thing I was going to say in passing on, on on the thing, like speaking of Luke, actually, was that uh, somebody mentioned something about, uh, I think there was an article uh, one of, on, on size of one of these articles talking about, um, uh, a potential meeting between Ahsoka and Luke—you know—a uh, a, a fan theory on you know when or where or how they would actually meet at
0: right. some
1: point, which actually I would like to see on screen also.
0: That would be awesome.
1: Yeah. So that would that would be pretty cool. Anywho, though, move right along. Um, the Mandalorian and wait, did I do the last one? You did. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, I did the last one. So okay, you that's gonna, spillover page
1: yeah uh the mandalorian and new republic are building to the first order and this is a spoiler for this for the episode <coughs> actually that we just uh talked about earlier which we won't really necessarily go into um well actually this is kind of a theorizing sort of because it's like because there was there definitely a reference that was done in this uh, in the last episode of uh, the mandalorian that could be potentially leading to the first order if you think about that conversation that was had in the in the mess. But, uh, according to this, uh, this says, says, um, Star Wars has, uh, dived into the era of the new Republic. Thanks to Dan, F- J- John Favreau and Dave Filoni's Star Wars, the Mandalorian and his upcoming spinoff series, Rangers of new Republican Ahsoka. All the projects are interconnected shows that center on the story sparked by Din Djarin's discovery of Groku and the uprising, uh, of, uh, a new order of the empire. However, all signs indicate that a Mandalorian spins off will be outlining the rise of the first order with factions led by Grand Moff Gideon and Grand Admiral Thrawn laying the groundwork for Snoke, uh, the Sith eternal and the return of Palpatine, which we did say like a couple episodes lack back that, yeah, there might've been some inklings of that in, uh, of a fan theory. Um, and then the, the article kind of goes on to, you know, Lay out its theories, so we'll see if that's the case. Next up,
0: all right. So uh, we know that uh, the the spinoff cl- uh, the spin-off of Clone Wars animated series, uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch, was definitely coming up. It was announced this past summer, but uh, we finally got a sizzle reel from uh, Lucasfilm on it. And um, the highlight reel that was shown during the Disney Investors Day call showed uh, Clone Force 99 battling across the galaxy as mercenaries in the wake of the Clone Wars. Amidst all the sci-fi action, rival mercenary Fennec Shand is shown brandishing a blaster. So in the days following the sizzle reel's release, the Mandalorian star Ming-Na Wen confirmed she will reprise her role as Fennec voicing a younger version of the character in the upcoming animated series. Yay. I, Yes, yay. I read an article, I, I think uh, either an article uh, written about this or a short interview that she gave on this where... Ah, uh, she credits uh, Dave Filoni with wanting to fill out more of the character's backstory, and that's why she's included in uh, the Bad Batch. In fact, yes. Uh, if it's the same one that I read,
1: uh, because yeah, I saw her. Um, I, I, uh, I saw her tweet about this, and with uh, a link to said interview, which I believe is on Star StarWars.com. You can check it out in the clickbait section of the show notes. Uh, by the way, folks. Uh, it, it, if it is that same one, yes, I saw that too, and then that's what led me to go to hunt down this article. So that's cool. Fennec Chan is gonna is, is gonna have some legs in the in the universe. I'm still not entirely sure about this whole bad batch situation because I still, uh, well, one, I haven't seen season seven of uh, Clone Wars yet, so I'm almost there, not far from. I do do know of. Ah! stop it i do know of them and i you know obviously the the hubbub around them but i'm I'm more still more partial to the original bad batch which is not around you know fives and all of them from 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 clone wars so like they could have done that instead of this but you know what hey sure it it is what this is on that (laughs) uh next up though speaking of the bad batch uh, Dave Filoni teases Star Wars series The Bad Batch, saying, "Uh, it will follow the legacy started by George Lucas." I'm just gonna say here that you know what I I feel like Filoni can pretty much do very little wrong when it comes to Star Wars stuff. Um, his track record's been pretty solid so far with with his involvement pretty. on things. So, pretty much. you know, um. But yeah, this basically says that, hey, it's a, it's a Bad Batch of a thing that's coming. Uh, he says, it's a fun show. I'm very excited about it. Filoni told the Star Wars show, which, yeah, I've, I've meant to check out that episode, which I think is the last one that came out, um, about the upcoming series, which follows Elite Unit Clone Force 99 quote-unquote, uh, unquote, it's very much in the vein of Clone Wars. It follows the legacy that we started way back when uh, George uh, Lucas of telling very, very exciting adventure stories in the style of Clone Wars. Uh, it does aspire to the look and scale of those adventures. The audience really demands to have the animated series to be epic. So, cool. And it also mentions that uh, Ming-Na Wen is joined versus of uh, Finnick Chan that, that she'll be uh, in the show. So, yeah, I'll watch it. I'm obviously going to watch it, but it is what it is.
0: Next up. All right, Lucasfilm CEO Kathleen Kennedy revealed new details on the upcoming Star Wars show from Russian doll co-creator Leslie Headland. The series, billed as a mystery thriller, is officially titled The Acolyte and will be set during the High Republic era, a.k.a. the Golden Age of the Jedi, roughly 200 years before George Lucas's prequel trilogy. The announcement from Star Wars contained a tantalizing hint about emerging dark side power! Psst. Unlimited power! <laughs> nice.
1: Uh. Speaking of uh, Star Wars pre- uh, procedural, I outside of something animated that I would have wanted in a clone wars, uh, situation. This seems promising. You know, we don't, there's still parts of the high Republic still being built out and we don't know about, but you know, the novels and stuff are, are pretty much getting out there. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, next up, oh, uh, star Wars is George Lucas explains corny dialogue in the prequels. You know what? I'm gonna let folks read this one for themselves. But basically, he he has George Lucas has is, is not short of excuses of why things happen in, in in his involvements in Star Wars. We love him for what he's done f- with it. The the prequels are what they are. You know, they did their job. But yeah, you can't really explain some of some the, the some of this. But I will say, he does say uh, this one line. Uh, it is printed very honestly. It isn't tongue in cheek at all. It's and it's played to the hilt. Uh, but it is consistent not only with the rest of the movie, but within Star Wars style. The rest of it, you know, you can um, read for yourself in the article. So, you know, all the, 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 the corny dialogue that Anakin ends up saying in Attack of the Clones and all that stuff, and, and, and even in the, the prequels, is like, yeah, okay, sure.
0: Next up, though. All right, if you want a sneak peek at Wonder Woman 1984, it's literally only a week away at this <laughs> The opening scene from uh, Diana's big DC sequel is now available to watch online courtesy of HBO Max. Just don't expect much of Gal Gadot, Mando, Pedro Pascal, or Kristen Wiig in action. Instead, we travel back hundreds of years to Diana's home of Themyscira. I'm not watching this. This movie's a week away. I can hold out. Yeah, that was my thought. I'm
1: like, who would do this? But there's there's somebody who would. And- of course. You know, there's always those, hey, watch the first 10 minutes of this movie just to, you know, just to tease yourself for the movie that's probably about to come out in a couple of weeks anyway, or whatever the case may be. That that has never really made any sense, but at the same time, I get it, I guess. You got <laughs> to like, keep the buzz out there.
0: Like, it depends on what my, you know, like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing anything for Christmas Day other than going to church online.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So probably as soon as I log off of that, I'm probably going to queue up my HBO Max <laughs> And watch the Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four movie. Let's here, be real.
1: Yeah, here is a curiosity: Are you gonna do, do uh, rewatch the first one, or are you just gonna go straight into this?
0: Uh, it depends. Yeah, I am not sure. I hadn't thought of it to be honest. Yeah, because I, I mean, don't I, I was gonna do that. Like the first one, mm-hmm. I was like, the biggest fan of it, and I know what the big tr- you know the the broad strokes of it are, obviously. Mm-hmm. So. But I might, I might. It's, it's. I'm glad that you mentioned it because I, I may have to slot some time in uh, over the weekend to rewatch it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something else I was
1: thinking of doing. I'm like, yeah, should I wait till that till it comes out and just do it? Just do a double feature, which you know me and my my, my watching of things. But um, or no, just do a...
0: The thing is, it's Christmas Day, so you know we're we're going to all be limited in what we do family wise for all Christmas right. Day. But we may still, you know, have Zoom calls or FaceTime calls or whatever. So. Yeah, unless you've got stupid-ass family,
1: um, unless you have stupid-ass family trying to visit when we're in a pandemic and you're trying to keep your mom safe, but that's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: Anywho, next up. How does he... Uh, uh, Why Introducing Cheetah Scared Wonder Woman 1984 Director... So basically, Patty Jenkins speaking with ComicBook.com says that uh, went into detail about her worries regarding T- Cheetah and the pressure to get the character right for the movie. Uh, she says executing Cheetah was harrowing. Uh, I gotta tell you, I knew that I wanted Cheetah to be in it, but from day one, I was like, Whew, this got to be right," you know? So I was scared about not getting it to look right, and it took every second from the moment we started to prep to the moment we watched the picture to get it there. Like, every second was so hard to do. So, you know. Cool. And then she goes on to say some other things on it, but you can read that for yourself.
0: Next up. Next up, one of the biggest hurdles facing HBO Max is no longer a problem. The The streaming service will be finally coming to Roku devices starting the day of our initial recording, December 17th. The move comes just after... Warner Media announced that it's going to simultaneously release its 2021 movies on HBO Max the same day they debut in theaters. So, um, once available, Roku users users will be able to simply install the HBO Max channel on their devices just like any other streaming application. So, uh, finally, HBO Max has come to Roku. I, I
1: so I question this article's postulation that is the biggest hurdle because like I know Roku, there's a lot of Roku for devices out there, but also a lot of people got just consoles in general. I know the other thing was um the 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 Fire I, Stick situation.
0: Fire TVs because that I think doubles or triples the number of Roku's out there.
1: Right. But I was like, I don't know if it was that big of an issue on for the Roku side, but it is is a thing that was kind of weird. And I believe also yeah. there is uh there is now an app for PS Five for XBO Max also.
0: Right. So yeah, you know, chalk it up to hyperbole folks. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, Batman drops an F bomb. And speaking of hyperbole, <laughs> Batman drops an F and F bomb in Zack Snyder's R rated justice league. Uh, so yeah, we're on this. it. And actually, well, i I'll, well we're about to get to it but uh he also teased that the there's also teased that the the, the movie's come out in March possibly we'll we'll probably get to that so yeah it comes out that uh ben Affleck's uh, uh batman drop an f bomb in bam lord anyway they drop an f bomb in this whatever trailer for this thing and people like the the internet kind of lit up about this it was like you know one way or the other and i'm sitting here like I actually said like, okay, yeah, Batman would probably be one to say, "Uh, fuck," but, mm-hmm. but also that's not a big deal. Like, if it was Superman, that'd be a way bigger deal, yeah. Then, then, then Batman saying that, especially the MCU version of Batman at this point. The so.
0: MCU. You
1: said. Oh, excuse me, not the MCU, the DCEU. <laughs> DCE. uh, you know, <laughs> and thank you for catching that. But yeah, <laughs> like the DC, the DCU. Uh, uh, um. The DCCU? I don't know. Whatever. Um, EU. Yeah, I know. It's the EU. But I, usually I think of the EU stuff as the animated stuff. Uh, I got it. So uh, Anyway, it says here there's one scene where Batman drops an F-bomb the director said, Cyborg is not too happy with what's going on with his life before he meets the judge and he tends to speak his mind. And Steph Wolf is pretty much hacking people in half so the violence that are probably uh, the rating would be due to violence and profanity probably both course Cordon Snyder. Okay. Next up.
0: Alright. Uh Quintessia? Really?
1: To, uh, Quintessa. It's not yeah, yeah, it's just
0: Wait, wait. Seriously, it's even worse that way. Quintessa, like somebody was such a fan of Transformers, the movie, they decided to name their daughter quintessa
1: wait i don't know if that i don't know if that's how that came about but actually it sounds like a dope name it actually sounds like a harley quinn x uh, villain villa villa name actually i like that name
0: but you know what i'm saying
1: i mean i get you but like, i kind of like the name though <laughs>
0: you
1: know that? yeah i kind of like the name but yeah I, did, I actually didn't think about the Quintessa thing until you just said that
0: <laughs> really once i saw this name, i was like really they just took Quintessons and said, "You know what? I'm going to name my daughter this." All right. Quintess- I, 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 I would like to believe that that wasn't
1: the case. I'm putting. I'm just going to put that out there.
0: <laughs> the Sharktacons is set to play Cyclone, wish- aka Maxine Hunkel, opposite Dwayne the Rock Johnson in Black Adam, DC and New Lines highly anticipated superhero movie. Accord- really highly anticipated. According to an individual with knowledge of the project, Cyclone is a junior member of the Justice Society with the power to manipulate wind and sound. Uh, this is in addition to other previously announced castings like Aldous Hodge as Hawkman and Noah Centineo as Atom Smasher. All right.
1: Yeah. Also of note to some people out there, I believe Miss um, uh, Wendell is uh, non-binary from what I'm saying. I don't think this article says it here, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so Next up. Uh, Titans Season 3 recruits Rescue Dog to play DC's Crypto. Uh, so yeah, the, new, the newest member of Titans Season 3 cast is a rescue dog named Pepsi, who will now portray DC's iconic dog hero, Crypto, staying close to Connor's side. Uh, Titans actor Joshua Orpin... Orpin. Uh, introduced Pepsi as the show's newest crypto by posting a photo of the Pope, uh, the pup wearing a red cape on his Instagram and sharing his origin story. Which you can see if you're watching the video right now. Look at that cute dugo. Aww. Um, but yeah, that's definitely crypto and he basically says a message a fairly lengthy message underneath that uh, about the history of um, Pepsi. Which you can read yourself. Uh next up though.
0: All right, and as a final note on uh the Quintessa Quintesson's name, I literally started typing <laughs> that into Google and the first thing that came up was Qu- not Quintessa, but Quintesson fa- uh, a pit of uh, judgment or whatever. I was like, "Well, I mean, oh, come a, on, man. I mean, of course
1: the SEO on that was going to be go that way cuz she's a, a lesser-known quantity than that at this point.
0: So funny. <laughs> I think it's so All right, next up, uh, Chris Pine is set to star in Dungeons & Dragons movie for Paramount. Really, Chris Pine? Chris Pine is in negotiations to star in Dungeons & Dragons, Paramount, and E1's upcoming film adaptation of the popular fantasy role-playing game. Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, the duo best known for Game Night, starring Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman, are directing the movie and, and writing the screenplay, which is based on a draft by Michael Gillian. Okay. I actually, uh, Game Night that was it really good. was recently pushed back from November of 2021 to May 27th, 2022.
1: Yeah. Um and as I as I say, it's like it doesn't seem like it's going to be coming probably for better or for worse uh not having anything to do with uh the animated show from the 80s. Mm. But but definitely has to be better than that Dungeons and Dragons movie from from 20 years ago or whatever it was. Um which, that's not really saying much, because I believe, wasn't that a Uwe bowl joint? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, that's the thing. Um, Loki teased a look at what's uh, behind the new MCU Big Bad, and it's worse than Thanos. So, I think this is, uh, you know, p- folks scraping through Loki's, um, that Loki trailer, and coming to find out that it looks like there may be some references to the Council of Kings uh which we know Kang will appear in uh the third Ant-Man movie which is named Quantum oh. exactly
0: Quantum running wild
1: <laughs> So yeah and this article kind of goes through you know the steps they there's you know the, the basically everything that or a, a lot of stuff that is leading to that notion of uh possibly the Castle of Kings being involved, which I guess makes some kind of sense given in-game and the time travel stuff and knowing King is going to be in, you know, Ant-Man 3. So, cool. Next up.
0: And next up, uh, the synopsis for the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus show confirms a major comic book aspect remains intact. Um, the the synopsis says, Kamala Khan uh, Iman Valani is a 16-year-old Pakistani-American Growing up in Jersey City, a great student, an avid gamer, and voracious fanfic scribe. All true. Who has a special affinity for superheroes, particularly Captain Marvel read the condensed synopsis for season one of the upcoming Disney Plus Marvel television series, courtesy of discussing film. Uh, within G. Willow Wilson, and Ms. Marvel, Kamala is an avid fanfiction writer known as Sloth Baby.
1: Right, and I believe uh, there was a picture of the there w- there was a, a reference to the sloth uh, stuff thing stuffed uh, doll that she has uh, that she carries or, or that she has you know in the comics in the sizzle reel for Miss Marvel. So that's pretty cool, also if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah, they don't really do much with the fan physics uh, stuff now, nowadays and with uh, Ms. Marvel. But it does get mentioned every now and then, or every moon or so. So, cool. Next up. Uh, Netflix adds X-Men and Wolverine anime series. Uh, Netflix uh, added, uh, well, yeah, and they added them on this past Wednesday. So, you can go check that out. I had confirmed it for myself because I was like, is this a U.S. thing or not? And, yes, I have confirmed that they are definitely on the U.S. Netflix uh, you know, given that where I got this from, you, you could have gone the other way, but they would have also mentioned it. So you know, the descriptions of the Netflix and Wolverine animes were there, and those both of these anime are from like twenty eleven. So um, I think I've, as I've said to somebody recently, like I'm kind of surprised that it took them long this long to be on Netflix. Mm. And I felt like at least a couple of those uh, have been on Netflix before, but I don't know. But both series are about part of a total. Uh, four total productions by Madhouse to adapt Marvel Comics characters into anime, beginning with uh, Iron Man in 2010, and uh, like I said, uh, also including Blade in 2011, and these two, which were from 2011. And of also, we have also mentioned that hey, there's a lot of, um, or probably mentioned at some point that there's some, there's a lot of um, um, Marvel anime about. Also, so there you go.
0: Next up next up Zack Snyder has casually revealed that his director's cut of Justice League will premiere on HBO Max in March 2021 the director responded to a fan on Vero (laughs) wow that's still a thing who asked that all previous versions of Justice League be destroyed Uh, Snyder's comment Snyder commented I understand and of course respect your feelings and I just hope that I can wipe that version out of existence with what you see in March okay
1: yeah i guess um next up though buck rogers tv reboot get why the last man comics writer brian k vaughn um, celebrated comic book writer Brian K. Vaughn is on board to pin the script for the B- Buck Rogers television series, according uh, courtesy of Legacy Entertainment. Vaughn's involvement comes just two months after the, the studio first revealed their intentions to turn the sci-fi icon into a modern-day franchise, with plans reportedly in place for Buck Rogers to span both big and small screens. Uh, and just goes on to you know, talk about the producers uh, who have something to do with the Transformers f- franchise and that doesn't give me any um, uh, any hope for that but also Flint Dill who apparently, I did not know this part, was the grandson of Buck Rogers creator uh, Philip Francis Nolan is also on board as a producer Flint Dill I believe is a, a name, if I'm not mistaken uh, a notable name to some folks as far as, um, G.I. Joe is concerned. If I'm not mistaken, cause didn't Flint deal like or write, write and do some stuff for, um, for, for, um, for Transformers. I'm, I'm not sure I am looking this up. Yes. Uh, best known for his animated work on Transformers, G.I. Joe, uh, an American tale, five of the gold's West, and the Chronicles of Riddick, Riddick uh, escaped from Butcher Bay and did the rights video games. So. Cool. Like, I knew, oh. I knew I remember seeing that name from G.I. Joe, but I, I vaguely remember it from uh, Transformers uh, from back in the day. And, yes, we're talking about the 80s uh, cartoon series. Next up.
0: Uh, we're transitioning oh, yes. to the comics. Yep.
1: Marvel recreates creates classic uh, Captain America stories for Anniversary Tribute. And this is uh, basically for Captain America Anniversary Tribute uh, number one, which is upcoming. Um, it's a one shot and various artists will recreate the classic Golden Age issue in a modern style in tribute to Simon and Kirby. Uh, that would be Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, of course. Um, additionally, the one shot will feature a... Okay, please stop. Uh, talking auto playing video. Uh, let's see, the one shot will re- re- feature will feature a recreation of Dan- Stanley and Jack Kirby's Avengers number four, which brought Captain America into the modern Marvel universe in 1963. Um, I don't know. Let's see, it is solicited for March 2021, so we don't have an exact date, but it's due out in March.
0: Next. Marvel's God of Thunder, the Mighty Thor, and his brother Loki, who has recently re-christened, rechristened himself the God of Stories, as opposed to his classic moniker of the God of Lies, will team up in a new limited series from writer Mariko Tamaki and artist Gurihuru, kicking off this March. Scheduled for four issues, Thor and Loki Double Trouble will put Thor and Loki on a mission of mischief to steal, to steal a magical object from Odin's vault, all at Loki's urging, of course. Tamaki and Gurihuru previously teamed up for Spider-Man and Venom Double Trouble, in which the titular character swapped bodies Freaky Friday style.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, With news that will probably excite uh, fans of this character. Yay! Uh, writer artist uh daniel warren johnson will write and draw a new beta ray bill limited series launching in march with colorist mike spicer uh this comes all on the heels of his recent uh, series wonder woman dead earth and the creator owned books uh extremity and murder falcon which yeah i think that's where i knew knew uh the writer from uh, the new Beta Ray Bill title will tie into the current King of Black Venom-centric event written by Donnie Cates, of course, as well as Cates' current Thor run, in which Bill has uh, recently taken on the role of Thor's advisor as King of Asgard. And of course, the cover shows Bill in a new suit of armor with a new weapon scoring off with classic space dragon Fang Foom, whose monstrous visage bears the mark of Null. And says, is a quote, uh Beta Ray Bill is tired of playing set of second fiddle to Thor, and with Beta Ray's uh famous hammer, Stormbreaker, recently destroyed at the new or uh, at the new All Fathers' hands, tensions are higher than ever. And I didn't know this. I, apparently you did, uh Agent Sony. Uh, about, re- about, hmm? about what? About Stormbreaker being being destroyed oh. by Thor. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tins of Higher Dev reads Marvel's Better Ray Bill's number one uh, synopsis. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, that's I'm actually, you know, I, I like Beta Ray Bill, so I'm going to check out to check that out.
0: I definitely will. All yeah. right, next up, Cindy Moon is swinging back into comics with a new Silk series coming in March. Mm-hmm. And Marvel unveiled the cover and a number of variants for the book. Written by novelist Maureen Gu, who was written, I believe, in A Thing Called Love. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Somewhere Only We Know, and Somewhere o- Only We Know. With art from Takeshi Miyazawa. Yay! The new Silk series will explore the intersecting identities of Cindy Moon, the reporter, and Silk, the superhero, featuring J. Jonah Jameson. And his latest media organization, along with a fresh set of mysteries, both street level and supernatural, the series will dive deep into what makes Silk unique. Hopefully, the series lasts a little while because it's had its uh, Silk titles have had uh, fits and starts.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, you can see uh, the variant covers if you uh, check out the article um, of this. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm looking forward to checking this out also because I like the character. Definitely Takmi Zara's art is going to be. Is, is going to be a draw here as well. Um, so cool. Uh, Avengers writer Jason Era on the Phoenix fight, Captain America, Wolverine and more Avengers 40 sends the, uh, sends Earth Spider Zero into a tournament to become the new host of the Phoenix force, which we just got of an event that has a tournament in it. But anyway, uh, in the kickoff of the story into the Phoenix and as a part of the tournament, all characters involved will receive a small portion of the Phoenix's power. So that in our A&R Avengers artist Javier Garone has designed has designed at least twenty new looks for the Phoenix imbued heroes and villains, according to the series uh, writer Jason Aaron. And we've got to look at some of those designs, which you can check out um, at least. Uh, well, I guess that's a slideshow here. Yeah, so you can check out some of them in the article below. So cool. Next up.
0: All right, Um, four new Marvel-themed unmatched game tiles are coming from Mondo Restoration Games in 2021. Uh, Mondo and Restoration Games have teamed up with Marvel to create several additions to their unmatched line of miniatures dueling tabletop games planned for release beginning in summer of 2021. Four new sets have been announced. Redemption Row featuring Luke Cage, Ghost Rider, and Moon Knight. Hell's Kitchen featuring Daredevil, Elektra, and Bullseye. Teen Spirit, including Miss Marvel, Squirrel Girl, and Cloak and Dagger, and for King and Country featuring Black Widow, Black Panther, and Winter Soldier.
1: Never really, of... no Captain
0: Britain, huh? Yeah, no, right. Um... But I guess, I guess it's King and Country, not Queen and Country.
1: I mean, they could still put. I mean, if they wanted to, they could put um, Brian in there. If that was the case. Yep. But yeah, you know, telling them what, what the decision was behind it. I'd never heard of this before this, so oh, that's. If you're uh, a miniature board game fan, hey, have at it.
0: You got me.
1: Yeah. Um, Transformers Generations Combiner Wars Devastator returns to Hasbro Pulse. You read that right. Following Australia's limited release uh, announcement, Hasbro Pulse has reissued the Transformers Generations Combiner Wars Devastator excuse me box set for shipping January 15th, 2021 for 150 bucks. Uh, and you can see images and read the description of it in this article. Uh, for, for those that don't know, Devastator is a, is a combiner who's, uh, who's uh, basically like a, basically a the cons It's made out of six robots and they all put together into this big, big nine thing. And it was a much solid after toy for some folks when they was little, when they were little, Actually I think I had most of not all of them now that I think about it. Some kind of way. Regardless. And I I know I've seen a set of this in stores in Walmart, like as of recently. But I think that is a different uh that might be a different set. I don't know. I'm not sure what the difference between this set and that set that's out already. So but anyway, next
0: up. Next up. Uh, next year, Star Wars The High Republic will leap even further back in a galaxy far, far away. The publishing initiative will feature the Jedi Knights at the height of their influence, which writer Daniel Jose Older is looking forward to exploring. Older, who will write Star Wars The High Republic Adventures with Harvey Tolabao on art, spoke to CBR about shaping the distant past of the Star Wars universe. Cool.
1: Indeed uh images crossover references one of spawn's most memorable moments moments and this is a spoiler for crossover number two which came out last week which you read already correct i did yeah so uh apparently you might know a little bit more about this another because i still haven't read it yet but apparently there's a, a a very familiar exposition well there's a according to this there's a Exposition, we see a very familiar prison scene, harkening back to a story from one of Image's earlier earliest uh, characters, Spawn. The illustrations themselves refer, reference one of spa, Star Todd B- Farlands and Dave Sim's most memorable storylines, aptly named Crossing Over. Uh, this doesn't seem like a mistake either, but an essential choice for this meta-series to reference a storyline that acted as a d- direct commentary of the comic book industry and the origin of Image Comics. So,
0: Cool. Next. Next up, Z2 Comics will release a biography of Elvis Presley in graphic novel form with Authentic Brands Group, the owner of the Elvis Presley estate, the company's announced. The new volume, Elvis the Graphic Novel, will feature story by Chris Miskevich, who wrote the Grateful Dead biography for Z2, and art by Michael Schieffer. Z2 did not indicate what the license from the estate adds to the standard edition of the graphic novel released to trade, although it's clearly a big plus for the limited edition, which includes a picture disc version of Elvis' debut album.
1: Okay. Alright. Uh, Grant Morrison teams up with Donny Cates for Atomahawk Atomahawk origin story. Uh, Donny Cates and Ian Betterman are following up their recent creator-owned series Atomahawk by, with plans for a toy version of the lead character Cyberzerker. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, they're using Kickstarter to raise funds for this project, and have now unleashed a unique reward—a standalone comic written by Grant Morrison. Uh, a Tomahawk was a nineteen, excuse me, a twenty seventeen serial in Heavy Metal, following a sword-wielding apocalyptic warrior on a quest to free his imprisoned god. Uh, after its serialization, Image Comics published a collection edition of A Tomahawk. Uh, if the Kickstarter goes through, then you know, f- folks at a certain level will get said to uh, come book by Morrison.
0: So cool. Next, next, uh, Rob Liefeld has signed on to quote reimagine unquote Archie Comics' superhero universe in a new 2021 event series titled Mighty Crusaders. He's been chomping, he claims that he's ch- been chomping at the bit to work with the folks at Archie and to do something with those legendary characters, Liefeld said. The Shield is the first patriotic comic book icon predating Captain America. These are the original comic book superheroes with a glorious history behind them. He is psyched to tell the story and to turn his fans on to those characters. Okay. Sure, Guy.
1: Um... <laughs> Batman, Grifter, Harley Quinn, Poison Army, more lead new t- uh, DC title launching in March. Uh, so those uh, folks just mentioned will lead an ongoing DC anthology launching this March Title: Batman Urban Legends. It's picking up from the Future State anthology format uh, along with some of its serials and creatives. The 64 page monthly Batman Urban Legends anthology will be the third major Batman title standing alongside Batman and Detective uh, Comics. Writer, which is weird to say, writer Chip Zdarsky and artist Eddie Barrows will lead the anthology with a six part Batman Red Hood story that finds Jason Todd investigating a new lethal drug that is sweeping Gotham City. Um, So, yeah, there is that.
0: Next. All righty. Next up, Tom King has tweeted new art by Clayman showing off a new redesign for Helena. Wayne, a.k.a. The Huntress. This is apparently art tied to March 2021's Batman Catwoman number four, whose solicitation and covers are expected to be revealed later this week. The redesign is a dramatic departure from 2016's design by Yannick Paquette, or even the one preceding it, 2003's Jim Lee design. Gone is the domino mask, and in its place is a pointed eared cowl like her parents' costume, costumes, particularly reminiscent of the original 1939 Batman design by Bill Finker. Okay.
1: New Batman, excuse me, New Superman and Action Comics creators uh, aiming to change the Man of Steel forever and DC forever. So writer Philip Kennedy Johnson has taken up the reins as DC's uh, Superman writer, taking over both the flagship Superman title and sister title uh, Action Comics beginning in March 2021. Uh, he goes on to quote as to how excited he is uh, for doing this and all that. But uh, you can read that for yourself. Uh, Johnson's run will begin a two-part story titled The Golden Age in Superman 29 and Action Comics 1029, drawn by Phil Hester and Eric Gasper. Um, cool. And oh, it's also in this announcement, DC goes on to frame the Golden Age story as a prelude to uh, DC's massive Superman event, quote unquote, without giving us any details.
0: Next up. All Next up. Uh, in the spirit of DC's iconic Eisner award-winning Batman Black and White Anthology series, DC proudly announces Superman Red and Blue, a new six-issue DC miniseries presenting fresh new visions of the Man of Steel, featuring an incredible slate of comics' most exciting and innovative storytellers, creating comics paired back to Superman's two signature colors of red and blue. Um, To start things off in March's Superman Red and Blue number 1 Academy Award-winning writer of DC Future State, the next Batman, John Ridley, joins artist Clayton Henry to tell a story of Clark Kent as he confronts a villain who still haunts him. Okay. Uh, Yeah, there's a couple more stories by Brandon Easton and Steve Lieber. And uh, writer-artist Wes Craig tells a tale of Superman's early days. Um, And Marguerite Bennett jumps in there, too, with uh, artist Jill Thompson. Cool.
1: Uh the official Japanese Twitter account for American company comics uh, publisher DC Comics announced on Thursday that it is uh, launching a collaboration with Kodensha, uh Kodansha's Morning Magazine. The first part of the co- collaboration will be the launch of two manga in Morning. Uh the first manga, Batman Justice Buster, will launch in the Jap- ma- magazine's combined 4th and 5th 2021 issue. On uh, December twenty fourth, manga creator duo, uh, you know, what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I apologize because I'm not going to butcher your names. But there's a couple of manga cards that are um, in charge of this manga, and Morning previously announced that the duo uh, will launch a new manga in the magazine on December twenty fourth. The second manga uh, went up. Wenope Joker, Joker, the one man operation will launch in the magazine's sixth uh, 2021 issue on January 7th um, space battle space excuse me, space battleship Tiramisu manga writer is writing the manga uh, that is associate Miyakawa. I can say that one. <laughs> and uh, Kesuke Goto is drawing the art. Uh, the manga will also serialize on Kodansha's Shah's Comic Days website. So look forward, forward to that, you manga fans.
0: Next up. Next up, Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo are taking over DC's ongoing Nightwing title with March's number 78. But Dick Grayson's title won't be a solo act as his on-again, off-again love interest Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, will be by his side in the returning series. Um the all-new, all-different dynamic duo are returning to Bloodhaven in a renewed attempt by Nightwing to make the city safe for everyone. Uh, apparently, Bloodhaven has elected a new mayor with the last name Zuko, which can't be good for DC's first sidekick and former Robin. But is it good for Bloodhaven? Uh, that's part of DC's description of the first arc. Okay.
1: Wait, it's almost like the pink king becoming mayor of New York. That would never happen. Next up. Uh, <laughs> Uh, The Dark Horse Comics will launch uh, Critical Role, The Tales of Exandria, a new four-issue miniseries on March 17th. Uh, The first in a series of bi-monthly comics focused on side characters and stories. Critical Role, The Tales of Exandria, The Bright Queen, focuses on uh, Layla's Kryn, The Bright Queen of the Kryn Dynasty. Um... Over multiple lives, Layla's uh, has sought to assemble a deluxe and use its power to bring a golden age to those under her rule. so um yeah for so for those critical role fans want more critical role comic books and any other or any other critical role in any form there you go. And that folks is it for the news. I know it was a lengthy one. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, we've got one more ad read to go before we close this out.
0: And you know what we read uh, when it's been a long show? Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment. That helps us keep the comic book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us do it today. And that folks brings us
1: to the end of another comic book Chronicles. Um, We actually didn't talk about the thing that we said we were going to talk about. Uh, And that is what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks of the show being that it's Christmas holiday uh we can safely say that we're probably not going to do a show on next thursday because that's christmas eve right. um or the 31st which is new year's eve so we can safely say we're not going to have shows on those two thursday nights we may do a show those weeks we're not sure we'll we'll talk about that behind the scenes or we'll let you know but you follow our um social media for that information
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's always a quiet time in between those holidays, so we may squeeze something in. We will see and check our schedules.
1: Indeed, indeed. And uh, of course, we are running headlong into our um, 400th episode, which will be in five episodes. So depending on when these next couple will be, it'll either be somewhere near the end of January or February, depending on how this w- works out.
0: Exactly.
1: And also, given the fact that there is the uh, end of the year um, wrap up, which we still need to to, to put to the, uh, send to the other guys uh, that we will get out sometime after the new year proper. righty. So until then, folks, I have been RoddyCat. You can find me at Roddy Cats on Twitter, uh, News, News Needs on Twitter, and CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Uh, our partners who are not here, PC underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com and is and some sites there in, and probably still doing bite the, uh, the vine replacement under comic reviews, no vowels. Tim D O G nine, eight on Twitter, the Osiris at this ish. Um, you can find him at that on Twitter. You can find him on, uh, Twitter at CB Cron, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at the uh, Declination Nation on Twitter. That's D K L I Q N A T I O N, all one word. Also, D and also Comic Book Resources, where he's over there uh, writing his face off. <laughs> Go get that man some clicks. Uh, you can find this here podcast, which now that I think about it, I don't remember if I said earlier in the show. Uh, you can find this podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN. Do it today. And you can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple's um, podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. <laughs> Looking at myself in the, the preview. I really need to stop that. Uh you can also find us recording here every Thursday night, with the exception of the next couple of weeks, uh on youtube.com slash the or, or uh twitch.tv slash combo chronicles. one word on that one by the way. Uh nine thirty ish PM on said Thursday night and of course the the audio podcast comes out uh, later on in the week on the aforementioned CSPN and other places alright folks that is it Uh, we will see you on the next episode um, whenever that shall be if it is well it is definitely going to be after Christmas so if it is not happy Christmas Merry Christmas, Happy New Year if it happens to be after New Year's or some variation between that
0: Merry Christmas, everybody.
1: Indeed. And with that, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. Peace.
0: Peace. One. Wakanda, to